Alrighty, how are we doing for levels and shit? Alright, <laughs> our levels are good. Cool. Going to put you down a little bit. Oh. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> you look like <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> You've clearly gained weight during COVID and you're not as funny as you think <laughs> you <Fuck>. are. <laughs> God. That was aimed I at me, not you. I have. <laughs> uh, no, I, I knew, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I assume from context that... that <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not as funny as you think you are. <laughs> well, that's true. That's why we're doing this to an empty room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. True. Fuck. That's what that's like. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. It's been a long time. Uh, still Andrew. Yeah, but cool. real, real bad at podcasting now. So, <laughs> as you all know, I podcast with my eyes closed. So for a second there, I had a fucking heart attack, wondering well, who the, the hell was on the other end. The listeners effectively listen with their <laughs> eyes closed. I'm not telling you who I am. You know. I'm telling them who I am. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome back for 2020. Happy New Year. This is our first episode back after one of our many patented breaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think we promised uh, in the description of last week's... Last week? Who are we kidding? In the description of last, last time's up. episode <laughs> uh, that this would be our top movies of 2020. And we decided to interpret that label... Liberally. Very loosely. Yep. So, uh, we in, re- in going through sort I see of. You're already undermining the, the decisions made for the podcast. <laughs> oh no, because I just think I feel we had a discussion off air about like what we're going to do. Because I think the last couple best of episodes we've done, we've done, we've done like these are our top ten movies each of mm. movies that came out in Australia in 2020. Yeah. And I feel like this year for there were four of them. Yeah, so. for COVID reasons and all sorts of all sorts You'll of hear other about this COVID thing. <laughs> the um, we uh, we didn't end up seeing many movies that came out in 2020, and. I feel like I thought that not many did, but looking back on like best movies of 2020 lists from Empire and Time Magazine, all these fucking online publications, mm. um, there uh, were a few. There were heaps that I just didn't see. So I figure if we ever do a top 2020, I want to catch up a bit and do some more, watch some more 2020 movies, and then mm. make my call later, so I don't say like my top movie of 2020 was fucking. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's gonna say it. <laughs> some, shit, some shit I watched in February Borat last year. Two. Yeah, Borat right. Two. Great. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, uh, um, Drowning. So what, so what we're going to do instead is like more of a greatest hits of quarantine kind of thing. Not that Canberra had much of a quarantine or an isolation period, yeah. but we spent a lot of time, a lot more time at home than we normally would have. Cinemas were closed for most of the year. And mm. when cinemas came back the last few months, neither of us had been in the cinema that much at all. Mm. I sort of feel like I got out of the swing of things. So I think a lot of the stuff we've watched is old shit. That we just never got around to watching until yeah. this year. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do this 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 week. We're going to do our top ten movies each of old or new movies that we had never watched until this year. Yeah. Our, and do it our that virginal way. views. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's it. Where we'd never fucked before we watched <laughs> these movies. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, so that's that's what we're going to do. I don't know if I've explained that very coherently, but basically, we're gonna, our, fav- so our favorite we've movies each pick ten movies that yeah. we watched this year and we'd never seen them before this year. But they didn't necessarily come out in twenty. No, they were not. In fact, I think most of mine probably weren't released in twenty twenty. Ah, cool. Yeah, I got a good mix. So yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, 
but we're Absolutely. not sticking to that. I picked we'll some also... stuff that we did on the pod, some stuff I only mentioned in passing on right. the pod, but I picked a, a, good, a good mix of stuff. I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, and we've got some... Uh, well, I've got some honourable mentions, and um, we might chat as well about some... Some of the series that we liked. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time doing all sorts of random shit. Exactly. I mean, this is like not 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 a special year in that regard, but there's TV series and some games and music and stuff that'll be a nice nice way to round out the year. Mm. Stuff we enjoyed because this year was fucking bad. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm hoping yeah. that this will get you something that if if you're looking for more shit to watch in the new year, you sort mm. of don't don't you know there's, there's all these streaming services, nothing to watch. Hoping these lists might give you a bit of fodder for that. Mm. And I guess these are probably our... If you if you feel like you missed out on stuff last year, casting my eye back over shit that we talked about in the last 12 months. I think if it's not on this list, that's kind of my endorsement for don't really worry about it or I forgot about it. There's so much stuff that came out in 2020 I missed. I feel like this is more like a... I don't know what this list is supposed to this do. This is just... I, I, think <laughs> I, I think I've talked about everything on my list. So... Um, cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna say this is my highly recommended. Right, list. like this will be like if you could tell someone to watch anything, it's these fifteen. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay, these cool. Fifteen movies. Yeah. Uh, I think we just assumed we were gonna run long this week, so we haven't. I haven't planned any news. So yeah. we'll just go through our well, list um, and see how we go. And if it turns out this episode turns out very short, the news will come at the end or next week. Who knows? We watched a a sick ass movie with our our friend of the show Pat that we're hoping to um. Hoping to do an ep on, and we'll we'll fill you in on the news. Hopefully, in that, if that's the next step or yeah. the next step, regardless, cool. Um, we'll catch you up on all your news-related matters. All right, let's just, so let's jump into it. I've got uh, my list uh, somewhere on my telephone. Oh, and while you're finding it, so we sort of split our movie lists up. We we didn't rank them fully, but yeah, we well, picked a top three. Yeah. So some of the movies that. I've seen her from this year. Some of them are from the fucking 1970. So I didn't think it was very valuable. But you were like, oh, I enjoyed. Yeah, again, I'm not gonna not gonna spoil my list. But you know, I enjoyed this this I'm new to fucking the one. <laughs> uh, that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't think ranking them all would be very valuable. So no. yeah, I've got a, I've got a top three, and the other ones are in like a like a loose order that doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. If we mention a movie, we're probably going to talk about it with reckless abandon. So mm. we might not spoil these, but we very much might. So I guess just be aware of that. Maybe if um, if you hear us mention a movie that you haven't seen yet and you want to avoid it, just skip forward and look for where we start talking about the next one. Yeah, we'll, okay, cool. we'll, we'll probably spoil stuff. Yeah, cool. So right. uh, should we start at uh, number number ten? Yeah, the 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 bottom of my bottom seven. What do you got, boy? Uh, I had the lighthouse. What's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? I completely forgot about that. Fuck, yeah. There you go. Great, okay. good. Um, this one actually barely scraped in, and I think that's only because I saw it once so long ago. Yeah. Um, that, like, you know, a lot of shit's happened since then. And it's it a just, really... It was, it's hard to hold in your head. It's a cool movie that I'm glad I saw, though. I feel yeah, like a lot definitely. of the movies I've picked on these lists are maybe not, like, best movies, but it, it's, like, shit that I'm glad I made time to see. Yeah, definitely. And, like, I... So, I, I kind of have my little favourite thing about all of these movies. I particularly liked the <laughs> the homoeroticism 
between Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's character yeah. because I felt like that just added that layer of flavor to the to that like trapped in a cabin with someone that you hate um, <laughs> feeling. But actually, what I think is most impressive about the movie is like, yeah, it was filmed on this insane format, like n- nearly a square with this vintage seventy-year-old fucking film stock, and it was nearly impossible to expose every single shot. So the cinematographer yeah. is like working fucking overtime. But it ended up very with a really cool stuff. It ended up with a really engaging, interesting, very gloomy kind of feeling yeah, for the whole definitely, movie. Definitely, and so like the visual aesthetic sort of really added to the tone and the emotion of the film as you're watching it because it kind of feels yeah. a bit creepy and a bit maybe not mysterious but you're not quite sure of mm. the relationship between these two guys and where it's where it's going and how they're, how they're feeling with each other and so the whole like gloomy dark tone of the movie is projected onto that and their relationship. Yeah, and I think Pattinson does a good job of that like delving into madness kind of process but Defoe just holds this. He, I think he's part of the reason for that creepiness and that darkness to it yeah. because he's so such an unhinged fucking character. Oh, I'm upset I missed he's that. He's really I, good. I'm upset I missed that That's movie. Right. I, I got you. Thank you. No, that would that would have made me less. Well, number ten for me is Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Somebody told me I was good in my life. Two, two, twice. This race today and dance and dance at the disco. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, 1977. Is this the ones that you were talking about in the 70s? Or is there another 70s one coming up? Another, I don't want to. I don't want to. sizzle. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Saturday right. Night Fever is one of them. Um, the thing I loved the most about this was seeing the sort of dirty 1970s New York City. Mm. Because uh, I feel like there's a very iconic period of time in the history of New York City where you sort of feel like everyone says like, oh, you could have gotten like s- fucking stabbed on the subway mm, and there were right. rats everywhere. It's really unsafe, yeah. And I loved how it uh, contrasted the dirty, gritty, sort of very real feeling New York City because it was filmed in that time. Yep. It's a very contemporary look at New York City and contrasted that with the sort of otherworldly, dreamlike feeling that everyone got when they were at night in the disco under the bright lights and the synth. Right. So it was almost like this very futuristic fairy tale kind of kind of land when they were in the disco. And uh, John Travolta's character himself sort of doesn't really feel like he fits in anywhere, but in the disco, he's a new man. In the disco, he's the fucking king. It's like his chance to escape. Yeah. Yeah, and I really love that sense of escapism that it, it brought to the character. Mm. And it's, you, just, you can sort of feel it through the, the, the difference in aesthetic. Mm. Okay. In the way in the way the different scenes played out that way, I kind of really liked. I had expected it to be a lot more of a sort of a switch off, enjoy the Bee Gees movie, and I yeah, didn't yeah. realize it was a lot darker than that. No, yeah. Like, there's a lot of um, sort of themes around violence and assault that I wasn't expecting. There's a lot of uh, analysis of John Travolta's character and his other dumb bro friends, and a sort mm. of a look into like male friendship. In yeah, a way that pretty, I wasn't pretty expecting. scathing on masculinity as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, man. It was mm. it was great. Um, that's I, probably I'll probably go back and and, and touch yeah. on that one. And also, yeah. it's got a great soundtrack. The BGS are fucking excellent, mm. and these are like the BGS at their the, the high peak, of their powers. Peak BG. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's my number ten. What about you, boy? Uh, a plus G, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, number nine. Oh, you know why they call the BGS? Is this a bit? No. No, it's a fact. Okay. 
They're called the Bee Gees. Bits because, can be facts. Because they're all... <laughs> but facts... But facts can't be bits. <laughs> and that's a fact. Very, which is very confusing. <laughs> is that a bit? <laughs> uh, they, is this a bit? BG stands for Brothers Gib. Oh, well, that's shit. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah. Understand why they went for Bee Gees, I think. <laughs> Number nine, Much boy. better. Or let's go with The Shining. I don't suppose they... Uh told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970? I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. Well... Can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Great. Which I watched very recently. Um, I really love it. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to wax lyrical about The Shining too much because I feel like most people had seen it and I had not. Um, yeah, what'd you... I thought it was really good uh, in terms of the, like, the way that it built tone. I really am always awed by movies that... Horror movies that manage to build tension uh, without ever feeling the need to rely on, like, jumping and scaring you. Um, yeah. And so I didn't feel like it ever needed to do that, but I was tense the whole time. I wouldn't say I felt really, like, petrified. Maybe yeah. that's just a bit of watching it at home. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think I found it particularly scary. Not that I've seen many old horror movies. I don't know whether maybe that's just a symptom of old horror movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's much more meant to be about that that type of like maddening kind of tense build up. And but the performances are excellent. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, I mean, my favorite part of the whole film. Um, I really like the way that it's edited. I like the way that occasionally the sound won't change, but it will intercut nonsensical visuals like the blood spilling down the hallway or whatever that will just yeah. be and I think that's a good way of showing that that's happening in someone's mind's eye but I really this film is what it is because of Jack Nicholson's performance yeah and apparently the little did you know maybe everyone knows this but the little kid who played the Danny I think is the character in the movie mm. that actor didn't know he was on a horror movie the whole time they were shooting right they so the way they, really. they shot it and edited it around like just keeping that from him yeah, that's interesting. I wonder because I I don't exactly recall, but there would have been a few scenes where Nicholson was acting pretty, pretty yeah fucked up. Yeah, and all the things of the rivers of blood and the running through the maze mm. and all all that shit, mm. and being in the bathroom where Jack Nicholson is like, uh, ha- act, taking a fire axe to the door and all that. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Shelley what? Duvall, it, yeah. is oh, she's incredible, really incredible in this. I I I think she had. I don't know. It sounds like the industry really fucked her up. I haven't looked into this too much, but she found this to be a very difficult filming process and then didn't do much else of note from what I could tell. Well, I've heard that Kubrick's a bit of a lunatic with the way he makes actors do oh, like yeah, hundreds of takes and nightmare. things. But yeah. I think particularly, like it, he, he strikes me as the kind of guy who probably thought, oh, she'll give a better performance if I really actually torture her. And yeah. so I suspect there was a little bit of that. What um, made you watch it? She's also just got a great face for horror. Like her she, her reactions are yeah. so strong. She's got huge fucking eyes. And yeah. so when she's like opening them wide because she's horrified, it makes you really feel it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really contributes to your empathy for the character when she's being fucking yeah. having the door beat down. What made me watch it? I don't know. I was just sitting there. I, I think I watched two Kubrick movies in a, in a row. I watched this and... Um, uh, full Metal Jacket. Yeah, right. Uh, just because I felt like I didn't really want to do anything. Might have been hungover, that kind of thing. 
Um, well, I only ask because I feel like day. a lot of the movies on my list are going to be movies that I have meant to get around to watching for a while and now love. Mm. And so a lot of these are like, I finally had the time to or whatever. Or like I heard someone talk about it on a podcast and stuff. I'll, fucking, I'll, I'll get around to watching that. Yeah. Or like you're in a Kubrick bender. I don't know what answer I was expecting, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, no particular reason. There wasn't anyone that brought it up that I was, you know, really interested in. I guess the thing that did spur me probably onto watching it most closely was I really loved Nicholson's performance in Chinatown, which we watched yeah. earlier this year. And uh, I kind of, I watched The Departed a little while back. I think maybe last year or the year before. And... I didn't quite see, I think, what everyone sees in that movie. Maybe I just need to rewatch it because maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace or something. But it yeah. was fine, but not that great. And especially, like, I don't remember Jack Nicholson's performance. I remember him pulling some weird facial expressions and, and being a little bit, you know. Yeah. And the bit with the rat is quite confusing. So if you haven't quite been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bit where, yeah. I could tell that your eyes are glazed over. I could just tell you were teeing something up. <laughs> It's like, where's this fucking yeah, no, sorry. jump no, on in? And I feel like Jack Nicholson as well is a, is a character I've only ever, an actor who I've only ever really seen doing really whacked out performances. Yeah, definitely. So I, I feel like you've got a, like you told me after watching The Shiny that you reckon he's one of your favourite actors. Oh, he, he definitely would be. I don't, I would almost want to see him playing something a bit more sincere before I made that call. But like, it almost to me, he seems like a dramatic 1970s Jim Carrey. I think Jim Carrey, I'd be surprised if he didn't draw a lot of influence from like Jack Nicholson. Nicholson's performance. But Nicholson's playing such serious roles that it's this great um, disparity between his, his um, you know, he's got this big fucking smile on his face so often, but he's being really yeah. threatening. That crate, that mag, and, um, what's, what, I think, I think there's, a, there's a gif of that where Jack Nicholson's doing that big grin and going, yeah. Right, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is from The Departed, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even um, where he's walking up the stairs after Shelley and the, the line is just like, give me the bat, give me the bat, or whatever the actual line is. Yeah. Um, give me the bat. Wendy. Give me the bat. Give me the bat. The here's Johnny bit, which famously was apparently improvised, I think. And um, uh, where, where there's this one particular line reading that really stuck in my head. Um, it's the bit where he's... She comes and talks to him while he's typing, and he really bites her fucking head off because he's like, "When I'm in, we're starting a new rule. Like when I'm in here, I'm working, and that means you don't fucking interrupt." And me. he's in he, the intensity he has in that right. Line. Wendy, <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me, and it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? And then yeah. this line that he delivers where he's like, why don't you get... I can't remember the actual line, but it's like, why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? And the way that his face changes like three or four times in that line reading, it's like he hasn't even really started to lose it at that stage, but there's just such... And it's a bit I've uneasy. I've watch- anyone deliver lines like that. Yeah. You know, where he just changes his... It's like... It's almost like watching a cartoon character where, you know when they animate cartoon characters um, and they're like choking on something and they'll have them like bounce back and forth wildly between these different animated poses. He was almost doing the human version of that where (laughs) he's got such, you could pause it on one frame and you'd be like, oh, this dude's laughing. And then the next half second, he's furious. Like the amount of control that he has over his face. And I'd love to know if he's just feeling it or if Mm. he's like practiced those in the mirror and he's gotten them 
perfect or what? I'd I, love to to listen to his process. I think. Yeah, I was I was uh, watching this like uh, I was in a deep YouTube hole, and uh, there's there's a half an hour long video of um, an act a film acting masterclass that Michael Caine gave. Yeah. In like 1977 or something, like a really old one, mm. um, and it's him on stage with an audience, and there's like five up and coming film actors on stage with him. He's giving them like very practical. I think you might tips. have. I think about I linked this. to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I talked about it on the pod, but it was like very Gone practical anyway, yeah. tips for film acting that I'd never heard about, thought about before. Where he said literally, like, all right, if you're doing a close up and they're shooting your face and you're supposed to be looking at the person opposite you, but it's your close up, so you've just got the camera in your face and that's it. Mm. He was like, pick an eye, pick an eye, and like he was talking about like what to do with the muscles of your eyes. Mm. He was like, just look at their left eye with your left eye. So that when the camera's up close, you're not switching eyes all the time. Yeah. And all these like little... I didn't describe that properly for an audio thing, but it was all these tiny little tips that were very physical, practical things that I'd never considered that actors have to do. Mm. Well, uh, yeah. And I would imagine there's a large range of the the, the way... Like, clearly that's his process yeah. where he's focusing on that kind of thing. So there's like all this physicality stuff. Mm. Like, he may have just practiced those faces. In yeah, the maybe. Like, I'm and not I surprised. mean, Kubrick's doing so many fucking takes. Yeah. That's what I'd really... Like, that's... I think that's what makes it mm. interesting as well for me is that knowing how complex his performances are and knowing how many takes Kubrick wanted to do. Like, maybe he was getting these unhinged performances after the 50th or 60th take. But, yeah. You know, as we've... As we've talked about when we were talking about the... Um, I think it was... Uh, uh, it was a cinematographer for The Matrix talking about the frustrations with the Wachowski Bill sisters Pope, at yeah. the time, Bill Pope, right? And how he hates that because he felt like um, Kubrick was getting the takes early on and then doing so many takes because he was so worried about it that he was forgetting that he got something good and then yeah. he wouldn't get another thing that he was happy with until the 50th or 60th take or whatever and it was this huge fucking waste of time. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, You know. Yeah, it's cool. It's a big brain moment that, you know, Kubrick's a good filmmaker, but I actually really didn't enjoy, um, just like as a point of contrast, I, I didn't enjoy Full Metal Jacket nearly as much. You're, you're not often down on war movies though, hey? Yeah, I mean, it's not really that serious of a war movie. It doesn't have any of those. I just really hate those scenes where shit's like, you know, they're just these soldiers going into the fucking meat grinder. I think the way that it looked was fantastic, but in terms of the narrative, it felt very purposeless to me. Um I, I think after like the first half hour or so, it was um, like it was really good while they're in the training camp, and I feel like that I've had a really strong it. message. Yeah. So they spend about yeah the first half hour of the movie in in the boot camp where Ali Ermi is just grinding these people to fucking dust and building them up again, and you know he he breaks one of them that goes insane, right? Um, and it's sort of following that that guy's. And journey. after that, it kind of goes off the rails a bit, right? And well, uh, so spoiler alert for Full Metal Jacket, half an hour, and that guy go- kills himself, and so. Um, the rest of them actually go off to war. And so you've kind of lost that momentum in a way. And I, I, I know that that's kind of saying something in of itself, but it just didn't really grab me in the same way. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I liked about it most was that it looked good. But yeah, he's not like a you know guaranteed hit. Um, but I did really like The Shining. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, my number nine, fuck, <laughs> number nine. My number nine was Midnight Cowboy. I'm Joe Buck from Texas. And Rico Rizzo from the Bronx. And I'm one by you a drink. What the hell do you think of that? I don't mind if I do. Why do you think I come all the way up here from Texas for? Well, I'm a hustler. You didn't know that? You were going to ask me for money? Huh? Well, you get out of here! <laughs> you got to get yourself some kind of management. 
Only the echo. Hey, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Don't worry about that. Actually, that ain't a bad way to pick up insurance, you know. Which goes together. Yes. I watched it in the same week as Saturday Night Fever. Yep. This is another New York movie. This is uh, 1969, though. So you get nice. all those same very real, very uh, authentic feeling images of mm. New York, but from the uh, like the mid 60s as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I like that's, this as well. For those of you who don't remember, that's the, I'm walking here. I'm walking movie. here. Yeah. With um. Fucking Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Um, I watched this because it was uh, yeah recommended on some podcast that I listened to as like a favorite classic film that not many people have seen right. these days. And I thought it was great. I don't know about whether the story necessarily sort of held up. It's a very sort of slow, very kind of character focused kind of story. Mm. But I really enjoyed the the authenticity of how it showed the city and it's, it's something right. I think I'm sort of fascinated I've always wanted to go to New York so like maybe I was just like fascinated that week I watched these two films of like looking at these these two dudes uh, wandering through these different different depictions of New York City mm. it was great yeah okay that's cool it's got a reasonably good soundtrack as well it's got some famous some, some needle famous drops. needle drops great Who's, do you remember who directed it? Uh, John Schlesinger. Oh, okay so I, I, no, not a particularly well known name at least today not these days but no. I'm sure back then okay yeah, okay. Uh, my number eight is... Uh, oh, I almost read my number two. My number eight <laughs> is... Easy I to confuse I always this. get those two numbers confused. <laughs> they look exactly the same. Um, is uh, Little Women, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. Motherfucker, that's yeah. Okay, fine. I've I've missed off a fair chunk of early. Great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> How do you 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 weren't looking at movies that we saw in cinema? Uh, I think I wasn't looking at movies that were on last year's list, but that's all right. I don't think it was on last year's list either, was it? No, go, go off. Do it, Little right. Women. I don't want to keep bumping your movies. Okay, here Talk we go. Talk about Little Women. I'm going to get two in then. Okay, so I really love the... My favorite thing about Little Women was that um, when it captures those little bittersweet moments of the relationships that don't work out. Um, yeah. Like when Timothy Chalamet and um, Saoirse Ronan are having the exchange in the paddock where she's like, uh, I'll never find someone and settle down. And he's like, you absolutely will. It just won't be me. And that's what hurts. And... Uh, Florence Pugh's like quiet fury when Chalamet comes to her as like a second option and she knows it um, yeah I mean I, I just thought it was a, a great movie but if I covered it on last year's list which I should have checked but didn't then uh, I've got another one to fill in uh, there are no rules it's alright Shin Godzilla Yeah, right. Uh, I remember is, you saying. Yeah, an action movie. Um, it's from a couple of years ago, hey. I think so. Yeah, probably 2017 or so. Um, I love this because it is the first film I've ever seen, like first disaster film I've ever seen that captures the uh, hilarious and frustrating bureaucracy that would be required to deal with an event where... Godzilla's kind of only destroying parts of the city. So he's not like wrecking the whole thing at once. He'll, it'll like come out and they'll sort of think that they've got it and it'll retreat back into the water and they're like, fucking hell. 
what are we going to do? A, this thing still exists, and B, we have to fix all of the civil infrastructure that it just <laughs> yeah. destroyed. I remember you um, saying there was a lot of politics and bullshit yeah, in the it's movie. Really that funny. Were, yeah. It's really funny. really, And the, that's the way that it makes that interesting, is that it does have to show you, like, you know, <laughs> there's a fair few boardroom meeting scenes in this Godzilla film. Yeah. Um, but they are really funny. So I, I thought that was brilliant. Um, really fresh take on, on the, the Godzilla kind of series. Oh, that's sick. Um, which I've been meaning to go back in on for a little while and check out. I think it was, it was Matthew Broderick that's in the early one. I think so, yeah. Um, I've never been sort of gripped by the concept of Godzilla because it's... I, I don't I know, think something about really sort of giant... by the aesthetic. Yeah, I suppose so. I'd be like, if it was... Because this is a Japanese one as well, isn't mm. it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. like a Japanese-ass Godzilla movie will be more in... Yeah, more you could go into like the 1940s, like Godzilla versus Mothra type shit. <laughs> yeah, so like, probably not. This new one, this new Japanese one sounds cool. I think you should watch Shin Godzilla. I think everyone, if you're in the mood for like a great action movie, like mm. a disaster movie, this one's right up there for me. I think and I haven't fantastic. seen like a big budget Japanese movie, I don't think. Yeah, it's yeah, really that's good. That's sick. And fuck, I loved... I think Little One was my favorite movie of last year. I loved that movie. Mm. The, the feeling of... Yeah, the, the bittersweet romance kind of scenes where it cuts between like the family on the beach in the in the old and new timelines mm. um and all those yeah like the pained look on Sersha's face where she has to pretend to be happy for uh amy and timothy Chalamet. Oh, damn it was it such was a beautiful very movie. good yeah excellent um my number eight was prisoners where are your sisters I can't find them. Anna? Joy? Wait, I checked the entire house. They're not here. Dad, there was this RV and they were playing on it. There was, we thought there was someone inside. You wait here. I'm coming up. I couldn't find them. Right. Yeah, of course. Denis Villeneuve directed it with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman and Paul Dano in the leads. God damn, this was a cool movie. My favorite thing about it was probably just just the sense of tension mm. and mystery that was sustained through the whole film. Um, I loved the, like, the very violent performance that Hugh Jackman gave. I sort of haven't seen... He was sort of channeling like a, a lot more of like a, like a darker Wolverine kind of kind of character yeah which I suppose I was gonna say I haven't seen him do I suppose I've seen him do Wolverine but something about this was a lot a lot darker and a lot more emotionally charged in a way that I sort of hadn't seen from him yeah he often plays I mean he yeah he plays uh, I guess it makes sense with this character because he often plays that like renegade-ish good guy yeah um, in that that Wolverine type character but this was like he was such a renegade he almost became the bad guy. Yeah, and just all the um the scenes with the, in the in the in the bathroom in the old house where he's torturing Paul Dano mm. and the sense of mystery you get through the whole movie where you're not quite sure who's lying to who. Right. And it's it's not like I love I've got a couple sort of mystery kind of movies on my list and I really like I think it's a very sort of delicate balancing act with a lot of these where you don't want to feel like the movie's just lying to you or like you could never have figured that out mm. but you don't want to feel like it's a bit too easy either you want to sort of feel like it's a comfortable complex enough plot that you're glad that it's the character that has to deal with this shit not you right you know you're like oh mm. fuck I'm glad he's in this situation because I I'm following along but I I wouldn't know what the fuck to do Have you seen Zodiac? No, I think it's on my list. Okay. That's the one about the (laughs) Zodiac killer. Yeah, yeah, you got it. (laughs) Um, Oh, someone spoiled it for you. (laughs) Um, Do you know he has that name because he like got it from Zodiac Watches? Do you know that? There's like a watch brand that's got that symbol and he wore one. That's like, this is true true crime shit. I thought it was like a horoscopes thing. No, no, it's, um, yeah, it was, 
yeah. Yeah, right. From, oh, there you go. Watch it. So uh, it for a while, like, that brand went under. It could have been like the Psycho Killer. Or <laughs> yeah, the literally, fucking, yes. The Casio Killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there, I think you would really enjoy it because I feel like it actually... So for me, like, Prisoners didn't make my list. I was a little bit... I wasn't... It wasn't bad by any means. I was just a little bit underwhelmed by it. And I watched uh, Zodiac recently. And for me, I think that achieved a lot of what Prisoners... I mean, Prisoners is going for a very different thing with Hugh Jackman's yeah. story, but um, I was much more captivated by uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's investigative Oh, he's in process. both of them, then. Yeah, he yeah. also plays the investigator in um, yeah, right. Zodiac. Oh, I think that's probably something to watch that helped that. to land the role in, uh, in um, Prisoners. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy it. Oh, cool. Well, something I did like about Prisoners a lot was that, um, yeah, the, the, the way it showed the two different characters doing their shit sort of simultaneously. Mm, the so pacing I, of it, yeah. I liked a lot of the pacing that way and I sort of liked how it played with the morality. A lot of films do this, but playing with the morality where Jake Gyllenhaal's the cop and Hugh Jackman's the the guy sort of working behind the back of the law and you're sort of not quite sure whose side you're on for most of the movie and mm. it sort of flips and flops on you a bit mm. where sometimes you're like, all right, Hugh Jackman's clearly gone off the rails. I'm with Jake Gyllenhaal now. And yep. Jake Gyllenhaal did something crazy. and like, well, fuck. Now, now I reckon I'm with, I'm with Hugh. Yeah. And I, I like the way it, it keeps you... It keeps you constantly second guessing and assessing what you're watching as you're watching mm. it. Yeah, it's good at that. Awesome, like thriller crime kind of film. Yeah. So that was my number eight. Mm. And of course, shot by Roger Deakins, so it looks fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, my number seven. I'm getting really paranoid now that I've just listened. No, to I'm all sorry. The ones from I, last no, I'm year. sorry. No, don't worry. You, you're right about the other two. I think this one came out this year. Uh, Marriage Story. What I love about Nicole. She is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Dad, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very, very competitive. competitive. Yep. Passes. <laughs> Checks out. Okay, um... I I liked a lot of this movie. I think I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Um, I think that both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson give such an incredible performance. Um, for me, the bit that I really loved, my favorite part of it, was when Adam Driver's reading the letter uh, and he just catches and chokes up. Yeah, uh, that was I sick. thought that was really fucking incredible. I had um, forgotten a lot about this It's a great moment movie. in his performance and it's also a great moment in the narrative because it is he doesn't really know it, but it is closure for both of them in a way. Um, uh, and it sort of really nicely puts a bow on uh, that part of their lives from the start of the film where they're in the counselling yeah, session. Yeah, because it's the same letter from... It's the same letter as from the counselling session, but she yeah. wouldn't read it. So that's the first time he's ever heard her saying that, but it's the second time the audience has heard her saying that. I suppose um, that's a spoiler, but... Whatever. Well, yeah. okay, you know, okay. We should cut in a spoiler warning at the start of this then. Yeah. Um, where The marriage story is fantastic though. And I think that that's... Um, <laughs> I, I know it's a brutal, dramatic movie. And I think at some point I recommended it to a housemate and must have talked about a funny scene in it. Right. <laughs> and then she came back like a week later being like, 
dude, I just watched Marriage Story. What the fuck? That yep. movie's not funny at all. That's brutal. Yep. Where's that thing <laughs> what, from... Did you say um, it was funny? Yeah. <laughs> funny? Did I say funny? <laughs> it's funny. It's, there's funny bits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a bound back and film, I thought, like, I thought like, fuck, I definitely would not have said funny. So I yeah, don't know yeah. where you got that from. Yeah. <laughs> like cut to you being like, oh, it's really funny too. <laughs> um, and Alan Alda and uh, fucking Laura Linney. It's Laura Dern. Oscar, you idiot. Are good in it? Where's the lawyers? That, that story from somewhere where this dude works at a video store and this woman comes in and chews his head off and then says, sorry, I'm in a bad mood. My dog just died. And so he recommends Marley and me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's like, I, Maybe I feel like Reddit. Marriage Story is a fantastic one for doing that if someone's just gone through a breakup or something. And <laughs> like, sorry, I, I'm actually going through a pretty rough divorce right now. Like, Marriage Story. I guess it's <laughs> much less in the name than... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marley and me. It's still, oh, well. Yeah, um, uh, great movie. Yeah, cool. Okay, no, so your sick. number... Seven. Six. Seven. <laughs> the next movie on my list. Okay. It's Boogie Nights. It made me think about your name. Something a little bizarre. I want you to know I plan on being a star. A big, bright, shining star. Okay, cool. 1997. PTA. Paul Thomas Anderson. This is a sick movie. Mm. It's uh, just right up my alley with the, the sort of dumb sense of humor that permeates the whole film. Yep. It's all about the 1970s porn industry, and it's kind of a goofy comedy drama kind of look at it. Like a goofy but, movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but it but takes... about the porn industry. But like all the more, <laughs> more than a goofy movie. Is. But all the characters are such an insane... They're like insane caricatures of whatever characters you think they're trying yeah. to go for in a way. And it's one of those movies where they take a very dumb topic and take it super seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, just, just like even just saying that Mark Wahlberg is a character with a giant penis and they talk about it like he's got a gift from God because they're all in the porn industry. So yeah. having a giant penis is like the most important thing. Yeah. And like his it's name is... career defining. His literally. name is Dirk Diggler. Yeah. Like that's such a dumb fucking name. Yeah. And there's a whole like dream sequence where he sees Dirk Diggler up in like neon lights and that's how he like decides to name himself Dirk Diggler. Yeah. Like it's such an it's insane, really whacked out, unhinged fever dream of a movie for a lot of it. And I, I, I love how dumb... The comedy is in it. It's mm, so, so good. So you'd never seen that before. No, I'd never seen it before. I think I'm due for a rewatch. I watched it a while back uh, when it's I was sort of just fresh out of high school. I think. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I reckon I missed a fair bit of what was going on. It's sick. It's not as fantasy like as like uh, we just watched The Big Lebowski. It's not as fantasy like as that is, mm. but it's 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 awesome and it's got a, it's got a great soundtrack. I think I said when I talked about it the first time. Maybe it's almost a an few, annoying amount of needle drops. Yeah, maybe a yeah. few too many fucking like greatest hits of the seventies songs like floating in and out of each scene. Like there are some scenes where you have like three different fucking you'll have a credence and then Rolling Stones and then Jimi Hendrix like all in all in one fucking scene. Yeah. Um good, great movie though. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'll I'm 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 due for a rewatch at some point. Yeah. Mm. Um I, Cool. Pause for a second. Mm. My number right. six. So we just had a long cut. We oh, figured the Christ. numbers out. Holy fuck. I hope we leave that in so that I, we can show how <laughs> fucking dumb I am. See, um, you're going first, then I'm following <laughs> yeah. you. So this is your number six. Yes. Okay. 
my number six is, I literally think it's because I was counting. Yep, yep, yep. From, yep, We're good, from yep. the bottom. Uh, my number six is <laughs> The Irishman. Frank Sheeran. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you said it right. Uh, under the contract, management can only fire a driver on very specific charges. So, do you have a show up late? No. Do you have any moving violations? No. Do you drink on the job? No. Do you ever hit anybody? On a job? Yeah. I don't think so. All right, then. We don't have nothing to worry about. And funnily enough, it took us as long to figure out which number that was as the span of the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, longer, actually, because it only took us a couple minutes to figure out that. Five but days to figure Irishman. out <laughs> how long. Yeah. Um, so, I my favorite thing about this is they... Um, I love that Scorsese chose to span it over such a long period of time mm-hmm. because I think it really lets you sink into the world of these mobsters, um, predominantly uh, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and uh, Al Pacino. And I think it's sort of amazing how close it gets to the immersion of something like The Sopranos, for example, uh, despite only being equivalent in the runtime to like four episodes of The Sopranos, whereas that's like six seasons worth, sort of yeah. seven seasons worth of television. You feel almost as connected and as invested as you do with a lot of the ties that you build up over time with a series like The Sopranos. So I've, re- I've really just got to go in and watch I it. Think so. I feel like and if I don't, the, time. the special effects are going to age and I'm not going to be able to watch it. Look, the special effects are the worst part about that movie. Yeah. Honestly, like, it, it doesn't... It's by no means a deal breaker. It's still a great film. But you can sort of see it. But it's definitely not a perfect technology. Yeah, okay. Um, cool. I, if I were them, I probably would have just cast it down. Yeah. Um, but then I guess you don't get to make Say a big fuss Robert, about yeah, it or exactly. whatever. So, so you know. Like, yeah. I, like, at this stage, I'm just not watching it for the for the sake of not watching it because I've liked every Scorsese movie Yeah, I've it's seen. a great movie. Like, and is it the same sort of... Because he has this, like, fun thrill ride of a... Like, every every movie he does, I feel like, fuck yeah, and the Rolling Stones kicks him and it's good, it's good shit and there's gunfire and, like... This is a little different. This is more like his uh, Goodfellas type... Yeah, um, okay type film where it's a little bit more like <laughs> I thought you meant like this is like Scorsese's Goodfellas <laughs> <laughs> no it's more in the um, it's more in the style of like that kind of like it's so Goodfellas is about like seeing what the lifestyle ends up doing to you I feel like it's kind of echoed a little bit in uh, Wolf of Wall Street how you watch Jordan Belfort uh, rise to power and then become consumed by that yeah. and, and, you know, sort of crumble, but really he gets away with it because he's rich. I sort of know what you mean. The, the sort of t- long time scale of the movie means that it's inherently a bit more chilled out. Right, but I think what you don't really see is the long... And this makes it sound boring, but it's not. The long scale, long time scale philosophical contemplations that these characters are sort of forced to deal with. Yeah, okay. um, And especially, I guess there's a meta level there where Scorsese is thinking about... Uh, just meditating a bit on his career of glorifying these kinds of people. And he's not always glorifying them. Like, he obviously shows it. But, you know, for a lot of his work, he's, you know, the cinema of luxury. Um, So, I think this really is, like, there are some of the hardest consequences for what the characters do in this film. Um, And it's maybe the most grounded Scorsese film that I've seen. Um, 
I think it's definitely still worth your time, but it's not trying to do the same thing as like you Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, no, okay. I, I suppose I'll have to watch it. I, I just <laughs> at this point, I've just like completely written it off. But well, I'll have let to go me back and do it. let me um, let me entice you with the fact that it is. Uh, I think De Niro gives a fantastic performance. It's very nuanced and subdued. Yeah, but. Um, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa is fucking fantastic. Really exciting to watch him on screen. And Al Pacino is fucking crazy and um, really awesome. Yeah, you know, only this movie and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, I think I've found a new favorite actor this year in the form of Al Pacino, and I was very <laughs> excited to, um, yeah, to to see him in a couple more things after I watched this movie and realized I'd only really seen him in Scarface. He's, he's always been this lunatic. Not who I thought he was. <laughs> yeah. you know? And yeah. it's really great to watch him as Jimmy Hoffa, um, especially some of the more... I don't know. He's really friendly and vulnerable in this movie. Right. Really trusting. And I think seeing oh, Al Pacino cool. be so so open like that is a really neat side to right, cause him. Right, because he's, he's less like that in Heat. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's very different, and I really enjoyed his performance, and he's on screen for a lot of the movie. Yeah, so, cool. Uh, if for nothing else... Really watch it for. I'll have to. And he's also completely different in Midnight Cowboy Man because he's yeah. a lot younger and yeah, he's this yeah. like little rat bag, weaselly, very meek kind of character. Right. It's very strange. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. What's my next one? Mm, your number. All right. So my number six uh, is another movie that is uh, an older one that I had never gotten around to watching. I watched Oh Brother Where Art Thou this year. Daddy! Hello, sugar. How's my little girl? <laughs> he ain't our dad. I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn paterfamilias. Now Mama's got a new boat. Vernon here's got a job. Vernon's got prospects. He's bonafide. What are you? You can't marry him. Why can't I? I am and I will. This uh, gentleman bothering you? Well, you can't marry my wife. Right. Came out in the year 2000 And I fucking loved it Shit, um, There's yeah. a lot of Coen Brothers movies That I've slapped on And gone in and been I like Oh it was great Coen Brothers <laughs> Coen Brothers Fuck yeah That No no That's a good bit We're the Coen Brothers bro. <laughs> Oh yeah Hell yeah <laughs> We're taking Joel and Ethan Come straight to court <laughs> That's where you Bust in your hand And then you high five Your buddy Who's also busted In his hand oh. So you bust All mingles up No, nah, I'm completely Off board yeah. now I don't like <laughs> it Sorry anymore. you're not A Coen <laughs> Brother anymore Are you <laughs> You both, you both cut your hand. Oh no! Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. I'm not into yeah, it. No, yeah. <laughs> I watched that brother right there. It's a Coen Brothers movie. I've loved every single Coen Brothers movie I've ever watched, and I feel like it surprised me every Jism time. Jism Brothers. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think I like that a lot. A Jism Brothers production. That's very funny. Okay, sorry. No, that's worse. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I've liked every Coen Brothers movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And then so every time I watch one, I'm like, that was great. I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. You like the Coen Brothers. Yeah, of course. Watch all the Coen Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my favorite thing about this was just, I mean, it's another great comedic performance from George Clooney. Mm -hmm. I think that George Clooney is such a great comic actor and I don't see him do... I don't really think of him as a comic actor that much, but a lot of the performances he's done are really funny. Even in Even in the Oceans movies uh, and... He's got a real dry comedy to him. yeah. Yeah, and he sort of plays like a... Not like a goofball, but he he plays someone that's very easy to laugh at very well in a way where yeah. I don't think that a lot of the other like leading men might not do. It seems like he's got a bit of humility there. I don't know. Mm. I think George Clooney's fucking hilarious, and I really like the Coen Brothers' sense of humor and the sort of shit's going wrong and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse as the movie right, goes. Right. Um, I love the soundtrack in this. It's a lot of like old blues and country yeah, music and like soundtrack. gospel and soul type stuff. Like all, all the music that you'd associate with like. 
the Delta and the sort of the south of the US. I'm um, a man of constant sorrows, a fucking banger. Oh, and that's a banger as well. The yeah. Soggy Bottom Boys. Yeah. Oh, baby. That's right. Uh, no, it's just, it's a real fun movie and mm. I, I loved it. I'm mm. glad, I'm, uh, I wish I'd watched it earlier because it was, yeah, one of my favorite movies I watched this year. Mm. I think also shot by Roger Deakins, maybe? Yeah, he's worked with them on like every fucking Yeah, movie. a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yep. Uh, so that was my number six. What's your number cool. five? Uh, all right, number five, Corpus Christi. Um, which you have not yet seen, I think. No. You sort of didn't really sell it to me. I, f- I feel like I was in the mood for a fun movie and Mm-mm. it sounds like uh, we got a bit not, of a bummer. It's not, it's not always... <laughs> but I know it's good. I know it's one of the movies where I know I'm going to enjoy it when I watch it. Yeah, I think it's your standard level of drama yeah. where there's some some actually funny bits, genuinely funny bits, genuinely endearing bits, genuinely nice character relationship moments, but also, yeah, some, some, some tough mm. bits. But also, I don't watch a movie unless there's more than one priest in it, so... Well, boy... <laughs> <laughs> Have I got the movie for you? Uh, first Reformed. Um, no, I still haven't watched that, actually. So, okay. Um, for this movie, I want to give a nod to the performances by the lead, Bartos Bielenia, and uh, the main supporting role. Uh, is, I'm going to try and do this, but they're all fucking Polish. Eliza Rechemble. <laughs> Probably got that wrong. Um, I think they both do a really fantastic job of... Um, just moving the story forward, especially the the protagonist. He's I, I think I talked about it when I talked about it on the app, but he's so expressive in his face. Yeah. He does such a such a fucking powerful performance in this um, film. You don't really I, I don't find you usually get a film of this budget with such a strong performance attached. Right. I mean, um, there's one other film on my list where I think it's the case, and I wouldn't necessarily say um, that I could say that that strongly for many other films like this that I've seen. Well, you before. watch it, you're like, why the fuck isn't this guy like a world-class? Literally, yes. Yeah. I mean, so probably because he doesn't speak English very well would be my guess. <laughs> and so it's a, there's a Polish drama about the church. Sort of, yeah. It's it's So my my favorite thing about it is that... It's it, sort of Polish. It depends on what you... <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> Polish. Um, it's sort of about the church <laughs> in that... Sorry. Keep <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Um... I've got like three favorite things. So I'm kind of cheating here, but yeah, um, it, it, it's about the responsibility, uh, how a young person who's disenfranchised and um, abused by the systemic issues around them deals with responsibility and can actually thrive when given responsibility. And I think the tension points come from the fact that in this particular case, because he's escaped from juvie and occupies this fake priest role Mm. he's stealing that responsibility and it's sort of you know society looks at it as like well you haven't earned that very well but then he's thriving in it and clearly the best thing for everyone involved is for him to be able to continue in that role but because of these stupid systemic traditions um that process and and the healing that's going on is interfered with for really that, no benefit that kind of reminds me of the legal crap that they get stuck in in marriage story right a bit, absolutely where you're like great comparison they yeah. want the best for each other and yep. their kid and they but they just they just stuck in this fucking court nightmare right Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it would just, that's a great comparison. Thanks, man. Um, I really, I think. When when you said he escaped from Juvie before, I was going to say, who's Juvie? Right. But I didn't want to derail the conversation. I kind of felt like you're on a roll. But that's right. I wanted to just revisit it and just know that I had a banger lined up. I don't know who he is. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, It's my joke. (laughs) The way. The way that, yeah, how's that feel? The way that this film is lit is my favorite thing about it because right. um, there's such an interesting and uh, 
surprising use of color and volume. Like there's a lot of scenes of lit churches in this movie and yeah. the way that it makes this this lighting seem like so divine when they're in churches and then the way that they use like greens and purples is like this ambient lighting in the cabin and housing environments of this rural Polish town just kind of elevate it. Um, right. It looks really beautiful all the time. So it looks great. You're watching these really captivating performances. And it's an interesting story that's sometimes funny. There's really high stakes uh, for these characters that you become invested in. It's just a great fucking movie. Oh, sick. Well, I might have to watch it. Wish you'd yeah. mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> my bad. Um, okay. Your number, whatever the fuck. It my is. number five great. was Palm Springs. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Okay. Goddamn, loved this movie. Didn't watch many hilarious... I feel like when I watch a comedy that's proper laugh-out-loud funny, it really sticks with me because I feel like most comedies, specifically most mainstream American comedies, don't make me laugh that much. Well, we're pretty... uh Pretty funny, smart dudes. And <laughs> no, so, you know a what lot I mean, of comedies, though? you know... Like, when I saw this originally... they're trying to be funny, <laughs> Yeah, like I had assumed when I saw the trailers for I this. Sort like, of half oh, mean that. <laughs> that looks kind of interesting, but like I think it's going to be a will. One f- of us is a funny and smart. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a Will Ferrell, John C. Riley kind of movie. Step Brothers, yeah. Yeah, or I thought like, oh, it, it, I don't. This might not be that funny, but like I really like Andy Samberg in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, for better or worse, yeah. Chris, uh, yeah, Kristen Melody, I think is really good in. How, I think How I Met Your Mother hasn't dated that well, but like I liked How I Met Your Mother She's in terms of in like a. Five seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she did it for a whole season. Oh, right, okay. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, I, I've, I've, I like these actors. A lot of the people involved in this movie, I've really enjoyed in other mm. shit. I just mm. didn't quite trust it. But when I went in, hilarious. Mm. I, one of the funnier movies I've seen this year. And yeah. I also was worried that it was just going to be a Groundhog Day ripoff, mm. where they were like, that's a cool idea. Let's do that in the modern day and set it at a wedding. Mm. And I was worried that maybe it will be a bit half-assed in that regard. But I think that other than the fact that it's obviously taking that idea and running well, it's with it. such a strong premise. It's like. a strong premise. And I think that this movie does enough original stuff with it. And sort of, it keeps developing the premise over the course right. of the movie. And the movie's like quite a tight 90 minutes, which is great in a comedy. Because I feel like if you're ever in watching a comedy and you're not laughing at a scene, you could be like, well, this scene could just go. Right. So the fact that this is a, yeah. a tight 90 minutes with a comedy is like every scene is funny. Right. And every scene is is needs to be there and keeps the momentum of the movie going in a way where like if it was longer and padded out a bit there'd be shit there just wasn't as funny I liked it that they cut it down to be like as tight as they could and mm. polished all the gags um, yeah they really explore the premise through the whole movie because when it starts uh, it's a time loop movie like Groundhog Day when it starts Andy Samberg has already been in the time loop for a hundred days right so already you've got like one character that's already like lost the like lost yeah, the plot. Yeah, so he starts off as Bill Murray way into Groundhog Day. He starts off as like Bill Murray like at the end of Groundhog yeah. Day, yeah. Um, like he's already like fucking with everyone at the wedding every day, like nothing matters kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and so the movie sort of takes that and goes from there and looks at like the mechanics of the time loop in a lot more of an interesting way. Mm. Like almost like in like Groundhog Day almost feels like Bill Murray goes, 
all right, I'm in a time loop, fine. And so it almost takes it for granted. I like how this movie... Um, looks at the rules. Looks at the rules a lot more. Yeah. And looks about like people talking about this time loop thing in a very... Because they get like multiple people stuck in this time loop. Right. And they interact with it and talk about it and theorize about it. And I feel like uh, Bill Murray's one is like a Disney fairy tale kind of thing where yeah. um, he's like, oh, he learns a moral and falls in love and... Uh, whatever it is that happens at the end of Grand Hope yeah, Day that like ties Christmas everything Carol. in a neat bow and then he wakes yeah. up and everything's fine. Yeah. Whereas this is more like, all right, now what is this? Is this like a quantum thing? Yeah, or yeah, are we yeah. dreaming? What's or- going on here? Good fun. Mm. It's worth going yeah, on and it's not just a dumb comedy. It's uh, made me laugh a lot and I like Andy Samberg, so it was worth looking into. Mm. Okay, cool. That's it. All right. So your number four. Um, my number four is uh, another one that... I, so I watched Corpus Christi at the Melbourne International Film Festival this year. And it's now available. I think it was in the cinemas for a while. So it it's is now still showing be... at Palace. There you go. But I don't know about by the time this goes up, but it, it uh, as of today... It's got Australian distribution somehow. The fucking uh, 17th of January. Um, it's still showing at Palace. So check it out. Um, strong recommend. Not yet showing. Hopefully it does get Australian distribution. It's the next uh, film, which is... It's the next film, which is Black Bear. You're awesome. Yeah, you're Gabe. Hi, I'm Allison. Oh, I know. I'm Blair. You're really pretty. You are too. You used to be an actress and now you're a director. Why'd you give it up? I didn't. So, do you guys have a plan for this place? I don't really know what we're doing. We were living in Brooklyn, and it was getting so expensive, and we weren't really working, so... Yeah, you, you've really gotten me intrigued to yeah. watch this. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I don't want to say too much about it, That's because what you I said. really think you should yeah. go in cold. Um, but I will say I really love movies that play with the filmic medium and kind of, I, I guess, break the fourth wall in some way or another. Yeah. Um, I think that's sort of an oversimplification of what this film particularly does. Uh, the way that it hits the reset button on the narrative halfway through the film in a certain way, uh, I think is really fantastic. Uh, and there's, I think it's carried on the strength of the story but uh, the lead performances are all incredible, especially Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, She's just Al- really fucking enthralling. Aubrey Plaza's often good in stuff, but I feel like I don't think realize that a lot until mm. I see her and say, like, oh, she was great in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she does a really good job in this one. Aubrey- all of them do by virtue of what the role requires. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, if, like, Aubrey, Plaza, Aubrey Plaza is a fucking lunatic as well have you watched her in like yeah. late night interviews yes she's and so weird she she said something in this role because like she has um it, you know s- struggles let's say struggles with mental health in this film yeah and <laughs> in some of the interviews they were like i don't know sort of shitty like how did you kind of get into this character and she was like mm, probably to a greater extent than I should have, which makes for good acting, but it's probably pretty unhealthy. Yeah. And then just sort of moved on. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, that's the, the most interesting thing you've ever... Yeah. yeah. Well, just like, I don't know. I feel like that was a real like peak behind the curtain. But yeah. Just a fucking peak. Like, I don't know what <laughs> she means by that. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear what people think when they, when they see what she's doing for this role. Yeah. Um, yeah, a really fantastic movie. It is. It doesn't have the same like. It's very naturalistic in some ways, um, in the way that it looks and is 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 
put together and stuff. It's really tightly edited. It's not a particularly long film, so I think it's kind of really got that going for it. Um, I think this shines in a lot of different way, in a very different way to a, a lot of the other ones on this list. And it's called Black Bear. Black Bear, yeah. Is it mostly like a drama thriller kind of thing then? How would you most... Uh, Yes, at at times it's a very serious drama thriller, and at times it is very darkly funny. It's okay, also, cool. I would say, it's has a, a really strong black comedic element to it. Yeah, cool. Um, but it's Just funny seeing vo- how that sort of only really kicks in in the latter half of the movie. Yeah, cool. Okay, great. So if you're not sold on it, sort of. Half an hour in, yeah, just really stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, right. Yeah, that's my that's my number four. My number four is a movie I think you're definitely going to talk about later. Okay. So how about I'll just give you my quick little favorite things about this, so we can get stuck into it when you mention it. All right. Great. Uh, so my number four is Heat. He's here. search for the scent of your prey and then you hunt them down that's the only thing you're committed to that keeps me sharp on the edge where i gotta be you want to be making moves on the street allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner my life's a disaster zone because i spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. Okay. Yep. I liked Heat a lot. I think we both liked Heat a lot. I we assume did. it's going to be a bit bit higher up on your list. Um, mm. My favorite thing about this, so Heat, is a 1995 crime movie. It's about three hours long. Creepy. It's uh, Robert De Niro. Is, thank you. Robert De Niro is like the leader of this heist gang type thing, and Al Pacino is the cop that's trying to catch him. Mm. And so it follows. Uh, Robert De Niro doing all his crimes and Al Pacino doing his cop shit trying to track him down for the whole movie and it's this long saga of a film so my favourite bit about it is the characterization and interplay between those two lead characters Mm -hmm. where they both feel very fleshed out and have very sort of conflicted uh, motivations behind why they do what they do Mm. in a way that really it really gets you stuck into the movie and it really helps that the movie's like three hours long yeah. because it gives you a lot of time to sort of get to know them mm. in a way. Um, yeah, I won't bother um, kind of leading into it. I think it's probably just a good segue. Heat is my number three. Oh, great. Cool. Um, so, so perfect then. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I kind of... Um, my One of my favorite things about it was... Um, yeah, man's approach to that hero and villain dynamic. Yeah. Because it's so... Soft and respectful, and it's not as simple as just cop is good guy, no, villain is no, bad guy. Absolutely but not. it's also not as fucking low, uh, lo-fi as like, well, the cop can sometimes be the bad guy. Like, no, I feel like it's like very, that. it's very complex and nuanced. It's that they both are what they do, yeah, and when they cease to do what they do, they stop being what they are. They just, they cannot exist outside of. Their purpose. <laughs> it's almost like that fucking Joker Dark Knight quote. Yeah, kind of a little the dog bit. chasing the car. Right. And he doesn't know what he's going to do exactly. when he ever catches it. I, I mean, like, well, the Dark Knight. Its biggest influence is heat. Yeah. So my guess is there's a lot of narrative influence there as well, not just oh, like course, aesthetic yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um, yes, because uh, people might not if you haven't listened to the episode that we did on heat, which I would strongly recommend because I really think we had some good discussion in there. <laughs> but the bank robbing scene at the start of Dark Knight is. Like a reference, very to strongly inspired by 
a particular scene from Heat, but tonally, I think the whole movie uh, draws from it quite yeah. heavily. Now, um, this movie was fucking sick. We it, got to it, see it, this it in the cinema, and I think that was almost the best way to see it. Yeah. A yeah. lot of movies... It's but, a great-looking film. Yeah, this movie specifically, it was great to... Especially because it's a long movie. Yeah. I feel like in the cinema, I really felt that constant sense of tension, and it never felt like it was dragging out. It never out. dragged. It's like two and a half hours long, and this yeah. shit just... I was... So excited like, when I looked at my watch the and there was time. still like an hour left to go. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, I mean, I, I've already talked about him a little bit, but particularly Pacino's performance in this it's film. It's the most insane performance electric. ever. He's just yeah. vibrating on screen the whole time. Um, he has such interesting line deliveries, again, sort of very different to Jack Nicholson, but mm. exciting for similar reasons. I and spliced it, Even him. his body language is fantastic. He's, like he's manic. constantly very... chewing gum and the eyes darting around <laughs> the room and he's like when he chooses to look you know, at the you person know why he's talking it, to. I don't know if he's yeah, mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. Once or twice he mentioned that maybe. He's it's, like, oh, I'm doing cocaine, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says that on like every fucking interview. Um, so, yeah, I think just choices about when... He, this insanely you know, manic performance. Right, and how most of the time he's not ta- looking at the person he's talking to because he's constantly like aware yeah. of surveying his surroundings, just imbues his character with so much. Well, it characterizes this man so much. Yeah. And uh, it's fucking fascinating to watch. And also, at times, very funny. It's so much fun. When it's I, when I was editing that episode, movie. I spliced in a whole bunch of Al Pacino lines from the movie into oh, the yeah. app. It's and awesome. it was so much fun going through and just watching all the clips yep. and deciding on those. Yeah, that movie absolutely <laughs> rules. It's, that was this sick. Is, this year, I will go in on like most of Michael Mann's filmography based I haven't, on... Yeah, yeah, cool. I hadn't heard of much of it and stuff. I well, think that this so is, we this just is watched perfect. Big Lebowski, yeah. and apparently Miami Vice is a very similar, obviously very different, yeah. but a similar concept in that type of like slacker crime movie. Yeah, cool. I maybe have to watch so that. I'm really keen to go on, and I know a friend of the show Pat is a big fan of that one too. Yeah, so yeah right. I'm, I'm I'm very keen to uh, to discover more of the man. <laughs> uh, right. So that was my four, and that was your three. Yep. It's my turn again. Uh, earlier in the year, with friend of the show Pat, we watched Total Recall. Your mind. It is the center of your life. It is everything you hear. Everything you see. Everything you feel. It is everything you are. How would you know if someone stole your mind? Oh, yeah, I of course. I fucking loved that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 1990, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That. Yeah. That's the um, Get Your Ass to Mars yep. movie. Um, it's so much fun. Mm. It's It was in the golden age, for me at least, this like golden age of computer and practical effects together where um, you can kind of see... You can kind of see the, the cogs turning behind a lot of the shit you're watching on mm. screen, but it's so much fun and the creativity of the filmmaking is so fascinating and so inspiring yep. that it's really fun watching it. Yeah. So it's um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't have to recap the plot, but it's, no. it's, a, it's a, a, a sci-fi thing where you get memory implants and he goes to Mars and all this shit. Um, my favorite thing other than the, sa- the, the special effects and the mm. very practical effects and looking at the Mars city and all that shit 
I loved all the action sequences. They were awesome in mm. that really sort of 80s action movie kind of way. Um, and I really liked the way that the sci-fi themes drove the story so strongly and so specifically. Like the whole movie is about him getting these memory implants and then coming to grips with like his own sense of his own identity and what he thinks is real and what isn't. Yeah. And it's it wasn't just like, oh, here's this cool thing and now it's an action movie in the future. It was like It's the, core to the It's core to the, the whole to the thing. focus of the movie and the story itself is all about this cool sci fi concept. Yep. In a way that I think was really compelling. Yeah, and Paul really Verhoeven, fun. The director of that one, um, mm. is yeah, he's uh some people don't get his shit and um, yeah. and but he's very good. It was it's awesome. Very good. I, there was, uh, it was one of those movies where while I was watching, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm having the best fun. I'm watching one of my favorite movies for the first time right mm. now. It was so much fun. Something that's interesting. So I just forced my partner to watch Terminator, Great. the first Terminator film, because I really wanted to watch Terminator 2. She really enjoyed it, actually. Um, and she, like, I think at some point she turned to me and said, I thought the Terminator movies were supposed to be bad. And I'm like, okay, after the first three, they are. So, and even then, really the first two. Um, but yeah, it's actually, it's a good movie. It holds up. But what was mm. interesting was seeing just how like, <laughs> funny, but robotic um, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that movie. You're an idiot. And I don't really remember him being like that in Total Recall. And it's not that long afterwards, I think. Well, it's because he's... I know he's playing a robot, but... <laughs> I think he's, he's playing I, a robot. I think he develops his acting skill over the course of his career, but I think when he starts off, he's actually pretty bad. Like, right? So they're he's like this well, huge fucking guy. He looks perfect for the role, yeah. and I think that's what got him cast as Terminator. I right. don't think it was his fucking acting skills. In, in Terminator, he's this huge dude yeah. who looks like he was designed by a lab to kill yeah, someone, born in a fucking. Tank. And he's also can't do anything but robotic acting. So they're like, well, they'll make him a robot. Fuck it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, but he, he definitely, no, like, mean. he warms up a little bit in, in, yeah. in Total Reboot. He's definitely not a good actor in Total Reboot. Like, well, that's he what definitely I'm still sucks. But I think it fit a lot more, because, like, James Cameron's going for something that really, f- it's so believable. Yeah. And Total Recall is never meant to suspend your disbelief at any point in time. <laughs> no, it's like a movie-ass movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know you're watching a movie... Right. They know, you know. I guess you it's know. Good they know, you know. In both, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> it's good casting in both circumstances, but for very different reasons with this guy. Um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting reflecting on it because um, it certainly he didn't feel out of place. But if he was as robotic as he was in Terminator in Total yeah. Recall, then he it would be really out of place. And if he was as like chewing up the scenery, hammy, yeah. in Terminator, that would also be really shitty. Um, I, I feel like his best performance is still Terminator 2 for me because he has that like much more open he, side to him. But and he can also like lean on the crutch of being a bit robotic as well. So Definitely, like, yeah. he doesn't have to be that emotional. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that there's a lot of those classic 80s action drama kind of movies that feel like very cinematic theatrical films in a way that a lot of modern action movies don't. No. Do you know what I mean? The Marvel films are, in my opinion... Bad for this reason. Well, not even just the Marvel films. I feel like the Marvel films often feel have a sent the same sort of sense of fun and theatricality that I'm sort of talking about. I more mean like if you look at the they, difference they between don't like, me, but yeah, sure. If you look at the difference between T1 and T2, mm-hmm. even T2 feels like a modern action movie. T1 feels like a classic monster movie. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, definitely born. And from then that, like you yeah. know that feeling we watched Blowout 
a couple of weeks ago. It's this John Travolta action movie that doesn't matter. But the point right. is, the whole time we were watching it, it felt like a very it this it had this sense of fun from the mm. action that like it almost felt like oh we know you're watching this for a good time and it was a good movie but it also had this sense of playfulness and this sense of fun that I don't think you can quite capture in a lot of modern movies in the same way and I don't know no. whether that was just the visual aesthetic of those movies back then or maybe the sen- the sort of DIY craft sort of aspect to the practical effects or whatever it is right. but a lot of those older action movies spe- specifically T1 is what I'm thinking of um have a very, a, a very. Uh, it's not like they're breaking the fourth wall. I don't quite know how to describe it. It's the same as the, the sense they're, of they're, they're sort of nodding and winking. Like Mandy did that a bit for me in terms of like a modern movie right. that has that same sensibility about right. like we're not going to try and ground this in any kind of reality. We're going to have all these goofy camera movements and crazy lighting and crazy effects. Yeah, um, because it's fun. Yeah, exactly. It it I think that these types of films put the emphasis on entertainment rather than any kind of realism. Yeah. And uh T one probably doesn't do that. Yeah. But some of these other ones, yeah, you're right, do. You might like a lot of the rest of um Brian De Palma, his that's uh blowout, his um, yeah. he's a director for that one. Because I think from what I understand, he's so passionate about that type of like genre cinema and that entertaining element that yeah. that's really what he focuses on but they're actually good movies yeah. as well it's not like yeah. they're like at the sacrifice of everything else you can actually enjoy them mm. as a pe- as a as like a piece of cinema you can enjoy them for as a movie as well as the fact that it's just like this popcorn crap right you yeah. know what i mean it's like a bit of both yeah it is hard to get that kind of movie nowadays yeah. maybe sorry but so you i i think my number 3 was total recall that was that was what that was right. inspired okay. by right okay sure um oh i'm really curious to see how much we overlap on this one um, or on, on, on these last two. My number two... What if we get the same two? That'd be wild. That would be wild. Well, I think you're, I think I might know what your number one is. Um, I suspect it's this one. Uh, my number two is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's my number two as well, baby. That's oh, number two. All right, here we go. Oh, these two might be the same. Um, oh, this is. Oh no, I don't know what your number one is. You got, oh, okay, yep. Sorry. Yep, yep. Surely, yeah. Okay, so this is one of the best looking movies I've seen in years. I think. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was my favorite thing about this is that it looks so great, which is so important because it's this. It provides this like s- foundation that um, the director Celine Schama uses to show you the way that the protagonist looks at the woman that she's truly in love with. The way that it it reflects the kind of voyeurism and the fascination of the protagonist is something that I haven't seen in uh, nearly any film. I think possibly any film beforehand. And especially not in a lesbian film. Yeah, Um, I mean, I haven't probably watched that many I remember uh, watching because the light normally the lighting in lesbian movies is famously <laughs> <laughs> awful well I just I mean obviously it's it's already you're already in a, like gay cinema is a niche and then lesbian cinema is a niche of that yeah um, and so there's just not that many large scale films that I feel make it and I don't actively seek them out which is something like a bit of a failing but this uh, this just sang the whole time yeah and you spend so much the way that um, you, you know I mean it, you can make a close-up really boring or you can make it really, really interesting. And the way that 
um, the cinematography and direction come together to, 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 to allow you to really like drink in these people's faces in ways that you would stare at a painting that you're appreciating in a museum, but you're also emotionally invested in the arc of these two characters. Oh, and it's such a beautiful movie. It's so... And emotionally and mm. visually, it just looks so fucking fantastic. It's, it's so great. There's so many um, beautiful colors. The composition is so perfect. It's so focused. You know, I love even the shots where there's a white canvas and you see the first brush stroke. Um, yeah. Just this like so- smearing of this beautiful, perfect thing. Something about the natural lighting of this movie. There's a lot of natural oh, light in the movie. So it's just quickly, it's a period drama set in the 1800s of France. Mm. The main character is this lady. She's a painter and she's been hired to come to this house in the middle of nowhere to paint a portrait of this daughter that lives there. This woman who's on fire, yep. Uh, no painter has ever been able to get a look at this girl's face because the girl doesn't want to be married because that's what these she paintings are for. She for a painting. Yeah, these paintings yeah. back in the day were like, you get a portrait of your hot daughter and you send it off to all the rich boys and, and they go... like, I'll fucking have that. I'll, ma- I'll have that and you marry them <laughs> off. And so the whole movie is about like this, this woman... <laughs> Trying to paint a portrait of somebody who doesn't want to be painted, right? And, and it's so about she's the got developing to paint her in secret, yeah. And that's why she's staring at her for so much of the movie is because she's memorizing. They just pretend to the, hang out as friends, and then right. she goes back to her and paints at night. And she's memorizing these intricate details of this person's face as she's sort of developing this, yeah, initial. Uh, crush is too shitty of a word, but like this yeah, fas- fixation. Well, this romance, because it, it doesn't quite, it, it's set in a period of time where obviously you don't want to. That ain't cool. No. And so, and you're not I mean, sure. It's very like, cool, but. Them trying to feel out each other's feelings throughout the whole yeah, movie. It's is, great. You get this very strong sense of intimacy. It's shot a lot of the time in this big old house and then outside down in the coast On somewhere in France, I imagine. Looking, yeah. And it looks beautiful. And there's all this natural light where I suppose it's really trying to capture a very realistic, tangible kind of feeling to everything that it's showing mm. because you want to feel like you are there and you're looking with the characters. Right. But at the same time, it, it's the beauty in every shot is stunning. Yeah. It's, and uh, yeah. The sense of romance. My, my favorite thing about this movie was this very, the, the feeling of romance that you get that's just so believable and so visceral and so like overpowering by the end of the movie this whole movie is sort of like bathed in this beautiful romantic feeling and the ending is absolutely uh, it's so such a strong it's one of the strongest reactions I've had to the ending yeah. of the film yep. this year Mm. Completely, I loved this movie. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'm due for a rewatch already. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that one of the things that stopped me originally was just the idea that it's a period romance drama, mm. and I thought if you said that to me, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm out. But th- it's a very modern feeling period drama in a way where you sort of like, the time period is almost not relevant. Yeah, totally. The only thing that it makes other than the role of like women in society, maybe that's a very <laughs> key aspect well, of the, the movie. The, cha- the required chasteness yeah. due to the, p- the period is exactly a, a core part of it. But um, it's such a strong setup. It's so simple. It's so easy to follow the storyline. But it, it's so elegant in the way that it facilitates what you're looking at constantly. Yeah. Um, I think this is a fucking masterpiece of a film. Yeah, me too. It's my and almost my favorite film uh, of the year. Easily could have been. Yeah, my number yeah. one um, for sure. I think I, if you want old fun, I would recommend checking out Heat. I think there's more to that than most people might think. But if you want like 
the actual recommendation, I think, <laughs> of a movie that you probably wouldn't ever otherwise maybe even have heard of. Mm. I think it got a pretty big release here, but um, I missed it in cinemas, and I think probably for that reason of that period piece probably put yeah. me off a little bit. Um, I was interested by the... Obviously, the poster has quite strong imagery. Oh, that it, shot of them around the fire is such a good yeah. shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, this should be my number one. It's, Whatever. Um, no, I'm sticking with my list. Yeah, it's good, but... Uh, uh, fantastic. I can't recommend this strongly enough. And this is another um, movie where I was just watching it completely engrossed, like, fuck, I... I love this movie. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to like cherish being able to watch this movie for the first time while I'm watching it. Just yep. completely engrossed yep. in I it. I think that's really wonderful. Oh, man. Mm. Mm. All right. Okay. Is, your, is your number one the same as my number one? I mean, I hope so. What I'm really hoping, and I double-checked just then because I was afraid of it, is that my number one wasn't something that we talked about last year. <laughs> I don't um, think there's any chance that my number one is the same as your number one. And I'm worried that I've forgotten about whatever movie is your number one. Uh, maybe. What is it? But we'll see. Okay. My number one movie is Uncut Gems. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, my number one movie is Chinatown. Oh, shit. Okay. I fucking love there Chinatown. We well, that was not going to be my number one. You talk about Chinatown first. Um, I'm right, though. Uncut Gems did come out in 2020, right? <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's not look it up. <laughs> let's not look it up. Yeah. Um, Uncut Gems is sick. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, favorite movie of 2019, Uncut Gems, probably. Man, no, probably. I'm fucking with you. Um, no, Uncut Gems was sick, but I loved Chinatown. Um, what? I reckon I fucked it. I think you probably have. You I fucked, think I fucked it. I think you fucked most of your list. I did. I, I, it would be the date that I watch stuff. Okay, that's all right. I. Yeah, hey, I should just say it's that unco- my... hey, it wasn't on. No, but because of, due to circumstances out of our control, <laughs> it, it wasn't on one. last year's list. Okay, yeah, I if if no, I, it's number one. Number I'll go one on record gems. and say uh, Portrait I of a Lady from on Fire. It doesn't matter. Right, but Portrait of a, <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire is is my number one. If oh, I no, did on gems lot, because I don't feel like it was no, my no, number you didn't, one no, last it, year. It doesn't. It, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter when they came out. That's the whole point of the list, and you didn't do it last year, so we're fine. Yeah, no, we're good. So we're good because it didn't come out on Netflix until 2020. right? We're good. We're great. We're I'm, good. Pretty sure. I'm pretty we're sure. I'm pretty sure. I might be an I idiot. I think we've worked out. If someone's going to look up, you're allowed to watch last year. You're, you're allowed to. No, I, I listened to last year's episode. It's not. We didn't talk about it. Right. So yeah, that's my number. Okay. Great. Great. Reset. So your number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck! I get so. I'm so. I am sweating. <laughs> I am fucking drenched right now. And I'm not just so because you're wearing stressed. black jeans and a fucking... No, it's you know. because I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm a fucking Safety Brothers character right oh, now, man. dude. <laughs> Jesus is... fucking Christ. <laughs> oh, God, this is so hard to My do. number one was Chinatown. Oh, what was your number one? Well, we'll talk about Chinatown first because we've just established <laughs> in something that may or may not still be in the episode that my number one was, in fact, I think, legitimate. But holy fuck... No, I got, we're all good. I feel like right. I'm sneaking across the line under cover of darkness here. Los Angeles, 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before... You must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. Chinatown is a 1974 detective movie. Yeah. Unfortunately directed by Roman Polanski. Yeah. Fortunately starring Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, 
it's in the style of and is set in it's it's set in like the 1940s in LA and it's in the style of those old Humphrey Bogart uh Raymond the Maltese Chandler. Falcon Raymond Chandler type detective movies mm. but i feel like it's been sort of updated for the 1970s like modern sensibility so you can sort of dive into it a bit more and it doesn't feel as dated as watching like Casablanca does a bit uh, my favorite bit about it is the pacing and the story mm. as i mentioned before it's this mystery crime movie where it's actually got something interesting and complex going on but you sort of feel like just like the character just like Jack Gillies you you almost figure out what's going on and you're, you're along for the ride the whole time right. you don't feel like the movie's gonna pull some fucking Doctor Who bullshit out at the very end and be like oh you could never have seen what was coming because we, you know, we, we lied to you right. you feel like you're there the whole time yep. and you're uncovering clues along with Jack Nicholson and the, the the plot is just complex enough that you're not sitting back being like this movie is dumb. I figured this all out. You're, you're with him the whole time. Yeah, and it's got it's it's a movie. It's a detective story that I'd never seen before. That's got like actually interesting detective work in it. Like where he gets he has like a glove box full of uh, pocket watches. Mm. He has like fifty pocket watches in a shoebox. That's right. And he just sticks a pocket watch under under the 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 tires of someone's car. So that he can come back later and see when they reversed it and drove away in the when car. When they left, yeah. Um, I love that specific period as well. I love all the clothes. I love all the cars. I love all the houses. You wear a fedora LA- and a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> LA looks so good. Mm. Um, and it was just completely engrossing when I was watching it. I, I feel like I-, I love old school detective shit. And one of the most unfortunate bits about it is that there isn't much of that out there that feels like that 1940s Raymond Chandler detective thing that isn't sort of aged a bit by the fact that it's an old 40s movie. Right, like because a lot this of those was period piece made in the 70s, Made right? in the 70s, set in the 40s. Right. But a lot of those like uh, Humphrey Bogart, Raymond Chandler ones were like made in the 40s, set in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's just a certain aspect to those films that they feel a bit slow. Camera technology isn't good enough that they can do interesting things with the camera mm. and have a lot of, I don't know, something about the, the maybe maybe it's just that film film sort of sped up a bit for audiences in a way, but by the 70s, yeah. it was just a lot more mature. It is odd that they didn't do more of that. I mean, maybe it became B-grade movie type shit, but well, I suppose it's like, it's like big s- film noir type thing just did seem to fall off from what yeah. I can kind of tell. And it's like, maybe it's because this was sort of second or third wave of filmmaking where the mm. first one was them put a figuring what they can do with the film mm. as, a, as a medium. But whereas by this point, it had been people were inspired by, inspired by, inspired by, down the line where people were actually Kubrick and that when Polanski yeah. were doing interesting shit and sort of experimenting a bit. I, I loved this fucking movie, man. It was sick. Right. Uh, that was your number one. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, probably tied with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Well, like, I mean, they're going for such fucking different things that, yeah. <laughs> Ranking them yeah. Is, 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 you know... And that's that's what I meant before at the start stupid. about, like, there's not much point in ranking a a <laughs> French period romance from 2020 with Roman Polanski's Chinatown right. deciding which is objectively better. Like, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Uncut Gems. How you doing, Holly? How's it going? How's it going? Put Pesach out. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk to gamble. It's about to pay off. 
so I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. I think the only reason I missed this out is I got stuck in my own my own rules and was... I don't know. I got, I got stuck in my own head about like when I watched it. And I, if I didn't talk about it, this again, I don't know how much it doesn't this discussion matter. stand in. We didn't talk about it last year. We didn't year. talk about it last year. And it, it, I think I watched it this year. Yeah. Um, and my fucking you know why Netflix viewing activity says I watched it this year. You know why I didn't get to watch Why I didn't put it on my list? Because I watched it at Pat's house. It wasn't and on it my wasn't Netflix on your viewing Netflix history. And you just completely <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. There we go. Well, I would assume that this would make it somewhere into your top 10 as well. Yeah, From absolutely. a recommendation perspective. Okay. Well, at least we get to talk about it. Because um, one of us is on the game. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. It, it, this was my number one. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you in terms of Portrait of a Lady on Fire could be it. Yeah. But... I feel like um, I just want to recognize the, the achievement that Adam Sandler had in this movie. Not that he like needs a go. He's good in all the serious dramatic shit I've seen him in. He's yeah. always actually good. Yeah. And, and I think it's hilarious that he can do it when he tries and chooses not to. Well, yeah. And I, I just think like he's so... He feels clearly... I mean, he's fucking rich as hell. But yeah. clearly, I think he does want to be... Recognized as a good fucking actor, yeah. And I he think was somewhere along the line, and I'm not even sure he knows exactly why. Probably some of the movies that he did, yeah. Hollywood just decided that he wasn't, and I feel like people I just see him because he has that mainstream. He must love doing those grown-ups movies because he keeps doing them, yeah. And they have some insane budget, and they look shit. So that budget is just spent on like hanging out in Hawaii. So yeah. he must love doing those. And I get that. But yeah, he yeah. basically hasn't had that much of a career other than I mean, like, yeah, they all yeah. make like a fucking million, fifty million dollars. But those um, Independent Spirit Awards thing, he looked so thrilled to be up there I mean, accepting the award. He really, looked like genuinely proud of himself in a way where like I think he said yes. if he if he didn't win an Oscar. An Oscar, he was gonna deliberately make shit movies forever. <laughs> yeah, which he didn't. <laughs> Hollywood again, the the Academy totally fucking snuffed him. Yeah. This was um, I wonder whether maybe the performance looks better because it's Adam Sandler and it's a bait and switch where you're expecting it to be goofy and it's actually good. I feel like Howie Bling is really walking around in New York somewhere. Like, it, yeah. the, the Safdie's, they, I mean, they do this thing where they pick supporting characters, these character actors that haven't really acted in much stuff and often just are people that do the thing that the character's doing as yeah, a job. Almost like a Coen Brothers kind of thing where totally. the, the side Offbeat. characters are very memorable, whacked out dudes. Right, exactly. I feel like Coen Brothers and the Safdie Brothers have, uh, have like tapped into a sort of similar thing there where yeah. they, the people that they pick... I mean, there's a reason why Steve Buscemi is in a lot of Coen Brothers movies because, yeah, you're right. He looks so fucking memorably weird. <laughs> yeah. And so many of the cast of Uncut Gems are, you know, are so weird that they've... The Safdie brothers create this universe that you never knew existed before, but is also things that feel very familiar. Um, that high stress, sort of like mob adjacent type environment. But then this character of Howie Bling, who's just this, again, this very familiar character. He's, he's built this house of cards of these debt repayments where he's paying, oh. borrowing from someone else to pay back a second and person. Betting on something to bet on something to bet on right. something. And that's what's so great. Um, I, I was talking about this last night with someone. The reason my partner enjoyed it um, was she was saying, you, you really start to, he finally sort of sorts these problems out in a way and gets this win. And then you watch him 
risk it again and you just realize that it's always going to be like that with him. Yeah, it's like hate. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he, you know, like Michael Mann said about Heat, something like every character in Heat is the master of their own totally separate universe and that is exactly what it feels like to Howie Bling he feels like he's the only person that exists and everyone else is just this obstacle that he needs to overcome on his way to success and greatness to the point where he forgets what it is to exist in the same world as these people and the risk that that kind of accompanies but um, this movie is like euphorically stressful yeah it is watching this movie revels in it it's so fun like Pat and I watching it was so stressed watching yeah. it, but then like nervously laughing. And then there are bits that are genuinely hilarious yep. and then bits that are just genuinely tense as fuck. Yep. And it rides the line between them. Lakeith Stanfield is fucking great. Kevin Garnett is fucking great. Yeah. Um, Julia Fox is fucking great. Like the, the yeah, I, just the way that everything fits together it's, a, it's it's sort of a simple narrative in, in some way. You're right. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's laugh out loud. But they do have that constant tension that really makes you empathize with him. And you, you're sort of constantly wondering, like, how can you do this to yourself? Like, you're just making such bad choices. Yeah. Uh, but then you start to sort of see... Almost just see what he's seeing <laughs> yeah, for just that's a second. Most, that's the most worrying bit about it is you're like an hour and a half in and you're like, oh no, I kind of get where you're he's like, coming from. But like, oh fuck. If it pays <laughs> off and yeah. then it's like, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It like tricks you into getting into his mentality while yeah. by the end of the movie, he's putting some insane bet on again and you're like, oh hell yeah, do it. Yeah, We're yeah. almost there. All you need is this one time. <laughs> and what it feels like, you know, it feels like it's infinite. I, I, for him, it feels like he he's he's just got to keep stringing these things together, and it, it's mm. like you know it only needs to work once, and he can yeah. keep it going until it works. It's like someone told I think someone like one of our maths teachers, yeah, I think one of our math teachers in high school taught us like, oh, if you go to Vegas and go to the fucking roulette wheel, yeah, just keep doubling your bet every time, yep. and you can't lose money as long as you win once. And I right. feel like it's like that, but just taken to the nth degree. Yeah. He just keeps betting and betting and betting and betting but and betting never, and betting. He doesn't and have a... No. Yeah, our teacher said set a limit. Yeah. And that's the part that's missing from yeah. how he blings approach. He's exactly. just like, he's going to keep going up and 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 up until yep. he's got some fucking blood opal mined by people in Africa with some NBA star. Yep. And the stakes get so insanely high. It's great. Yep. On a technical level, this movie was impressive because yeah. um, they scripted it around three real... He's betting on basketball games. And so they scripted it around oh, three yeah, real... Yeah, technical part of the narrative. Yes. Yeah. They scripted it around three real basketball games that happened in a row chronologically and then got a basketballer that was playing in those games from the 90s mm. to act as himself in the movie mm. so that they could show footage of these real games with the person that was the character on screen at the same time yeah and you know uh, there were a lot of long shots for the safety brothers that needed to it's kind of i mean the production of the film probably felt a little bit like being in the fucking film itself like yeah these things needed to work or else the whole thing was flat on its ass like yeah. if kevin garnett was a shit actor the whole film was going to fall apart. They, I remember them, they actually did an interview on, on Chapo Trap House that was one of the best interviews I've heard them give. And they were talking yeah. about that scene where he looks into the opal and they said if, it, we, they were so worried about it because if he couldn't sell you on that moment where he becomes obsessed 
where he gets it. And he genuinely and he's thinks like, like this thing is this. magic. I have to have this. Yeah. Then it, not, it wasn't going to work because you weren't going to believe that this guy would do such insane shit and would therefore be sort of feel justified screwing over Howard. Yeah. But it, it worked. He pulls it off. Like you really believe that moment and... um it could very easily have gone another way. And it was this so would have sick. Been, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. A uh, quick shout out to One Hundred Tricks Point Never, uh, Daniel Lopetin, for doing the score on this. I would, I was, I was gonna say that um, for me, he is to Uncut Gems what John Williams is to Star Wars. But I think the Safety Brothers are much more talented than George Lucas. <laughs> so because I think John Williams' score is most of what makes Star Wars really great. And Damn. The, and the aesthetic. That's but an I think insane take. They've, um, uh, yeah, and the aesthetic. The aesthetic is good, but the rest of the movies after he invented all the shit for the first movie, garbage. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I really, I, I think the score, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a human that could give you a score for this movie that like wasn't fit. just fine. But this has a life of its own. I've never yeah. heard any music that sounds like this. And it gets stressful at the points right. where it needs to exactly. and plays along with the scenes perfectly. And I mean, he was doing it for um, Good Time. Like this this guy, Daniel Lopatin, is yeah. clearly just very talented. But it, he sort of just works with what the Safdie brothers are trying to do. I feel like he just gets it. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like it feels like the film gave birth to the score. You know, it didn't feel like it was it's created. It's like greater than the sum of its parts. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just think it's really wonderful. Oh, that's sick. Well, I think you've got a few things I wish I had on my list and I'm hoping I had a few yeah. vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, um, Chinatown could have made it onto mine. I did really enjoy that one. I loved Chinatown. Them. I should yeah. have had Uncut Gems on my list. God what damn. Chinatown did make me want to do was to watch more because like i feel like jack nicholson one of the things he's so compelling on screen but he is always that threatening presence and he's often not the good guy and in chinatown he's the good guy he's a good guy it's a bit more of a restrained performance definitely because he can't fly off the handle as much yeah and like the departed he's not the good guy you know i really want to watch more jack nicholson performances where he is the good guy so you get to see more of that kind of like that restraint or that positive kind of um performance coming yeah. through so yeah uh good good choices yeah thanks, bro. thanks brother you 35. too so okay i got a couple of honorable mentions sure uh, i won't go too much into it but um the platform was a sci-fi one that i watched this year that i enjoyed very very much it's a spanish movie it's the language it's is spanish. spanish i'm not it. sure if it's yeah, yeah mexican or what um <laughs> The <laughs> setting and the concept of the story, especially how like proudly, overtly political it is. Um, it's like, it's almost so on the nose that it is proudly on the nose about how much it, it, it is a class metaphor. Yeah. Um, uh, really interesting story. Very simple in its uh, setup, but quite complex in its execution. It's sort of... It's one of those movies where they start with this concept and it's like, oh, okay, so the film's going to be about this. And then, you know, the film's going to be about, all right, you have to ride the platform all the way to the top of the building or whatever. Yeah. And then it it's a little bit like, um, what's the uh, Groundhog Day style one? Palm Springs. Palm, it's a little bit like Palm Springs in that it starts to really get into the nitty gritty of like what the rules of this sort of world yeah. are and I really really enjoyed that that's cool um, 
and Twelve Angry Men, which is maybe the yeah exact you mentioned opposite that. of this movie of um of the platform. Yeah, you mentioned that a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked that film. It's on a lot of like best films of all time lists. Speaking of sitting in a room and sweating. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. The I think the performances are really what hold it together, but it's also very nicely edited. It feels very modern compared to when it fucking came out, which is like I think nineteen fifty or some shit, yeah. fifty four or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'd actually quite. I'd recommend that if you feel like watching just a decent drama that's still like pretty funny, has oh, some sick. really great performances in it. Um, I think you'd probably dig it a lot. Uh, and I feel like it's a film that even though it's like a black and white film, even though it's about like it all takes place in this one room, um, <laughs> it's very, very, very compelling. Oh, cool. No, that, that is one that I keep meaning to go I back and actually I reckon watch. it's definitely worth it. And also just a final mention of... Um, the experience of seeing these movies that we didn't get to see in the cinemas the first time they came out because we were too young. Yeah. Like um, we watched in cinemas, or I did at least, Fight Club, The Matrix, Alien, Back to the Future. I was there with these retrospective Back to the Future. screenings, right? Um, were really fantastic. And if you get the opportunity to see any of those ones or any of your favorite movies in the cinema, I'd recommend it because there is something different about going and watching these with this big great sound systems in a dark room where you can't, can't check your phone. I think there's something get to be to said piss. for the captive audience thing where yeah, you, you can't get so. up to piss, you can't check your phone, you're forced to be more engrossed in the movie than you others will be. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, I also would encourage you to go and see movies by yourself, especially if you've already seen them before because it's just... It really refreshes the film for you. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. Fight Club, such a great one to have refreshed for me. I remembered... I, I think I was in a bit of a movie slump when I saw that. Yeah. And it was like... Oh, that's right. I fucking love films. Yeah. And boy, this <laughs> one's a really good one, you know? Oh, it's sick, man. Yeah. Um, I don't have as many special mentions. Ones that almost maybe a list. I really liked the Japanese film we did in one of our episodes a few weeks ago now, Shoplifters. Oh, yeah. I yeah, really sure, liked that. Sure. I enjoyed most... Uh, it's like a modern dr- kind of cr- petty crime drama set in Tokyo mm. about this family that like shoplifts yeah. and does like petty crimes around town. But I really liked the... Th- Seeing Tokyo in the same way as yeah, I like seeing... Yeah, that movie represents Tokyo in such a beautiful way. Yeah, in the same way as I like seeing New York in Saturday Night Fever and Midnight Cowboy. I liked seeing Tokyo in this movie mm. and I liked their, the, 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 the exploration of what it really means to be... What family really means mm. and what it really means to be a part of a society or a part of a community. Mm. Um, in a way where it sort of it digs into sort of the social security aspects of modern culture. A little bit and like f- Corpus Christi of like... You're trying to enforce specific things, but who's actually benefiting from this when exactly, you, when you yeah. apply the rules so rigidly? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Shoplifters. It's a really lovely movie. Mm. Um, and I also... If you like Parasite, you'll like Shoplifters, by the way. Yeah, I don't think... This is nearly as much of a thriller, but yeah, no. I, I agree with you in the same sort of sense of... It's an Asian movie that's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> themes yeah, of no. family, themes of... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Imposting, uh, yeah, imposters and... and Class analysis. Yeah. You're a racist. Mm. Yeah. Um, I also, but well, I've watched the first two in the trilogy of the Before Sunrise and Before Sunset movies this year. Okay. And they're great. They are Richard Linklater. Uh, oh yeah. Filming uh, romance movies about a couple, mm. and they get the same. He gets the same two actors to play this couple like ten years apart. So the first one was in like the nineties. The second one came out in like, oh, two thousand five, right. like Boyhood Light. Yeah, yeah. And the third one came out like twenty fifteen or something. Mm. And I've watched the first two. 
And it's like they meet randomly on a train once when they're kids, and then they meet again randomly like eight years later. Right. And they're filmed real time later. And it's 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 great fun, like catching up with these characters. And those are movies where like it's some of the most real feeling dialogue and acting between two like between a couple that I've like ever Mm. ever seen on screen in a way that feels very refreshing and it feels like catching up with an old friend so I'm sort of sitting on it a bit before I go back and watch right. the third one yeah that's interesting I felt that way about Boyhood as well like this, yeah. the, the performances just feel like you're watching these people yeah live their lives really genuine naturalistic performances yeah yeah cool, cool. I watched another Linklater film shout out to Contagion <laughs> I uh, didn't know that was him yeah which is um a fucking bizarre experience to watch now. I'm sure if I lived in America, I would have turned this movie off after about half an hour and thought, yeah, like, fuck, fuck, it was this. a bad decision to watch this. Yeah. But um, it just felt very strange because it felt like watching a documentary about how coronavirus started, but it was made in 2011. Yeah. It's so accurate that it's really scary. people will always be stupid in the same dumb way. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like the only difference that this, or the only detail that this film got wrong or like different was that the virus has a 30% kill rate instead of like a four or 3% or whatever it is. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot more deadly, but besides that, they even just like, it it does a mutation thing, which obviously just recently happened. I was like, Oh fuck. It's getting getting more accurate as time goes on. That's really fucking Someone stop this movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Someone go find link later. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sick. Okay. So we, we, we've been going a bit long. Should we do a whistle stop tour of some other honorable mentions of other shit? Yeah. So we've got a couple of TV series that we watched this year, and maybe we'll mention some games of the year for us. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Let's do a whistle stop. Cool. Uh, first one for me is. Stop. <laughs> Fuck you. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, first one Wish for I'd me is. Done a better whistle. Killing Eve. Mm. I know you are an extraordinary person. Exceptionally bright, determined. I know something happened to you. I know you're a psychopath. You should never tell a psychopath you're a psychopath. It upsets them. Are you upset? Which I got into because I had watched Fleabag, uh, which is the Phoebe Waller-Bridge comedy drama, and I'd really liked that. And yep. she created and I think was the head writer of the first season of Killing Eve. Um, it's kind of, it's it's a, this is like a comedy action series. A caction. Yeah, it's a caction series um, starring Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh, who are two people I hadn't really ever heard of before. Yep. Um, the most famous person in it is Fiona Shaw, who is most famous for playing Aunt Petunia in the Harry Potter movies. Fuck. But basically, it's about like a what small a cast. A small. They're, they're all hilarious, though. It's mostly a comedy, but with good action shit in it. It's like yep. um. There's three or four seasons in it, so there's plenty to dive into if you want to, and it's available on some streaming service. Um, It's MI6. A small team in MI6 have recently worked out that all these murders they're trying to solve are all kind of linked. Oh, yeah? And they are all uh, the work of this one Russian uh, assassin played by Jodie Cormer. And Jodie Cormer is like a very... It's a very funny, larger-than-life performance that she gives of this, like, assassin who seems to be in it just for the fun of it. 
Right. And is sort of is a very like a very likable, very funny, fun character who's right. also like responsible for all these brutal killings. Clearly a psychopath, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of about it's about that. It's just a it's 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 almost like a I don't know how else to sell it. It's funny. It's fun. It's great. It's an action comedy modern spy thriller okay. kind of show. So recommend checking um, that out. Recommend checking it out. It's nothing like Fleabag, but if you like Phoebe Waller Bridge's comedy, it's got the same kind of sense of fun sense of as humor, Phoebe yeah. as Fleabag did, where there's a lot of dark shit happening, but they're having fun with it. Yep. Um, another series I really liked uh, is called Normal People. You know, when we were together in first year of college. That was kind of a perfect time in my life, to be honest. It'd be awkward if something happened with us. No one would have to know. I didn't know your mum worked in the Sheridan's house. What's Marianne like in her natural habitat? I don't know. I don't see much of her. That's on Stan. It's based on a book... Uh, Go on. It, <laughs> it's set in Ireland. It's based on a book. Um, it uh, is kind of about the romance between two people that meet in high school and are kind of having this secret relationship in high school because one of them is one of the cool kids and one of them is one of the nerds. Right. Um, and it's about the way in which they change as people as they sort of finish high school and graduate and go there on a gap year and go into uni mm. and they sort of drift apart. And I really liked the way it explores coming of age and adolescence in a way where the relationship between these people, two people changes constantly over the course of three seasons. So they drift apart and come back together. And there's a lot of like, yeah, I was an asshole in high school. I don't know why I did that. Right. Or like, I always thought this about you in high school in ways that I could really relate to. What was um, that? Normal people. Normal people. That sounds pretty good. There's not many series that try to do that type of thing. There's it's a lot great. of movies that try to do that. Capture that golden coming of age yeah. period of time. And this is really good. It's, yeah. it's based on a book by a woman named Sally Rooney and it's set in Ireland. If you like Irish accents, this is a great one. Great. Um, this is like a very... Sir Sharona plays every character. <laughs> it's very high stakes emotionally, I think. There's a lot of fun in it, but I think there's a lot of that bittersweet kind of romance in it that I, I like in a way mm. where it's it's a lot about like lost opportunities and about like regret in a way that I it always does something for me in romance movies that I yeah, watch. Yeah, like, kind of like the Little Women... That a lot, sweet, yeah, missed I, opportunity type stuff. Yeah. I got a lot of the same sort of feelings from Little Women as I did oh, from normal okay, people. Great. I think it's a bit. You might have sold me on that. I might have to go in on that. Yeah, you should. It's a few episodes that are a bit hornier than great. you'd expect. Good stuff. Uh, in like a don't watch it with your parents kind of way. Okay. Uh, and there's a few episodes <laughs> where it might be a bit more melodramatic than I'm sort of pitching it to be. Right. But I enjoyed it enough overall that I think it's worth a Gets look. A bit it's normal young people. Adult fiction sometimes. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about oh, you? well. Think of it, it's foibles. It sounds like it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I went in on a few series that I had either kind of missed or just hadn't hadn't got time to go in on. Yeah. I binge watched the entire first series of Succession. Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children. I know I've made mistakes, but I've always tried to do the best by them because I love them. Have you thought about the possibility that your children are actually scared of you? Oh, fuck off. 
I want a broadcast network. I want to see what other news operations we can sweep up. Local TV? Dad, nobody watches TV. Why shouldn't we do all the news? Uh, well, Kim Jong Pop, because that's not how things work in this country. We have a major problem. He's erratic, he's making bad decisions. If he's not careful, he's gonna destroy the company. And what, you gonna do something? I think I'm the best option. Oh, right, because you like playing boss? I think I talked. you talked about it recently, right? It's like a comedy about the Murdoch family. Yes, not. basically. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I won't go into it too much. Um, I really like the writing. I think it's very clever and quick. Um, the first episode is... Uh, and I think the whole series is like executively produced by Adam McKay. Um, right. So, so if people think about that big sleep... Not big sleep. Big <laughs> uh, short big kind short. of style. Is it kind yeah. of like that a bit? Yes. With, I would say, writing that's closer to like your... Uh, uh, Ananda Yanucci, the Death of Stalin type uh, uh, comedy, yeah. really quick, like rapid fire back and forth type stuff. Kind of like a cross between, and uh, yeah, think of it like Ananda Yanucci's thing and like House of Cards. Okay, um, cool. Really, really great. And and sort of the similar, similar stakes almost to House of Cards. Um, the writing is really great. I want to mention Sarah Snook, who Do plays it. one of the characters, because I think she is, the more that I think about it, I think she's one of the probably the best Australian actor in the world at the moment and Damn. one of, I would say, the best actors. Like, you forget that she's an actor. She's <laughs> just, she just is the character. Is the character, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think it's worth it for a whole bunch of reasons, um, but really good. I just picked up the second season on miserable DVD because the Blu-ray is as yet unreleased Damn. and I do not want to give uh, HBO i.e. Fox, ironically, <laughs> any of my fucking money. There you go. So pirate that shit or, I don't know, watch it in 720p, which is <laughs> the poor man's 1080, if you will. <laughs> um, secondly, Maniac. Do you know where you are right now? I'm in a drug trial. What do you think is wrong with you? I'm sick. I don't matter. What would you say this trial is showing you about yourself? Is this therapy now? It's not therapy. It's science. Once you begin to appreciate the structure of the mind, there's no reason to believe that anything about us can't be changed. Pain can be destroyed. The mind can be solved. How many of your subjects have ended up catatonic? Zero. Roughly. Which is a limited series that's on Netflix. Yeah, it came out a few years ago. Episodes. Hey. Yeah, I think it came in 2018. Um, I just hadn't really gotten around to it. It always seemed really interesting and I knew that it was Jonah Hill in a more serious role. Right. Um, and it looked pretty weird, and I thought I knew. I thought it was going to be about drug rehab, I think, and it kind of is in a way, but it's not really. It's very hard to describe what this is about, but um, essentially, uh, Jonah Hill is the son of a very wealthy family, and he uh, really resents the pressure and doesn't. He, he's very. Uh, he's a very troubled person. Um, when it comes to like his mental health, like he has um, somewhat untreated schizophrenia, and so he 
struggles a lot and has distanced himself a lot from being a normal part of that family as they want and expect him to be. Yeah. And so he's trying to find his own way and he ends up joining this drug trial, like this pharmaceutical trial, because um, the payoff will be decent and he hopes that it might have benefits to his mental health. And simultaneously, Emma Stone is this um, character who's constantly sort of like a bit of a dirtbag trying to get her shit together, um, but has an addiction issue with this particular drug. And the only way that she can get it is by getting into that same clinical trial. Right. So that's sort of the first two episodes. You sort of follow Jonah Hill and then you follow Emma Stone. Um, and you, um, I guess the thing that really connects them is that um, Jonah Hill thinks that Emma Stone is his <laughs> like um, celestial appointed handler for him to be the savior of the earth. What? Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. So it's directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who's directing the next Bond movie. And it's the first thing that's made me excited for the newest Bond movie <laughs> because... Are they making um, a new Bond movie? I haven't heard about it <laughs> uh, other than Kerry Fukunaga's attached. So anyway, um, my favorite thing about it is the production design. This doesn't look like anything you've ever looked at before. It is this bizarre mix. So it's set in the near future. So there's uh, quite advanced technology. But imagine if they had advanced technology, but everything looked like it was tech from the 80s. So they've all got this a little like alien, but yeah. colorful and fun. Um like manic, funnily enough, like a blade, right? like a Blade Runner kind of thing. No, no, like bright, like daylight, kind of okay, hypersaturated, like um, uh, Tokyo Shibuya District. In fact, there's really heavy Japanese influence in uh, the company that runs the drug trial, which is where a lot of the, the the stuff takes place. And to the point where it's a Japanese company, there's a lot of people that speak Japanese. Um, uh, and the influence is really clear and heavy. A lot of like bright pastel neons, oranges and purples and greens, blues and reds. Okay. Um, it's The production design is fantastic. It looks really great. There's also two really beautiful performances by... Beautiful is probably the wrong word to use, but they are fantastic performances that are sometimes very well played dramatically and sometimes very comedic and entertaining by both Emma Stone and Joan Hill. <laughs> right. it, he is, I've never seen him like this on screen before. He's so downtrodden and depressed, which is not a thing that you think of normally when it comes to Jonah Hill. Normally he's quite, yeah. he's like sort of spunky and aggressive yeah. and loud mouthed. Whereas that's not what his character is like at all. But because of the nature of the series, they get to play around a lot with their characters. And so he has like this huge range of what he's doing across the series. And so does Emma Stone. Um, I really love it. I love that it's the first thing that they've been in together since Superbad. Oh, um, yeah, wow. And uh, it's f- so fucking well-written. I love it as a concept. I'm going to study it and write stuff based on it. I felt I liked it that strongly. Um, okay, I was going to steal their idea, bro. I just think there's so much, like there's so many good ideas in there. Um, that I could steal. <laughs> <laughs> they um, probably just missed them. They don't know the gold that, mine they're sitting on. That, no, like, I don't even. It, it's it's so compelling and it's having so much fun. It's it is entertaining for the sake of being entertaining because it doesn't try to worry about like, not does this make sense, but like, it is this gonna are people gonna get this or like is this yeah. like you know is this what is anything else doing anything like this like none of that shit. It's yeah. boldly doing what they want, having fun with 
the whole format, right? Right. Um, there's a lot of like, uh, they're not dream sequences, but let's say dream sequences where that's what I had thought, but I didn't want to ask do. in case it was. It's a not quite like that, right. and that's not really a spoiler. But yeah, you're not always looking at those characters in this particular context, and that's a lot of fucking fun. So yeah, cool. I really love it. I'd highly recommend it. I think it's eight episodes long or something like that, and then um, it's done. Yeah. Strong. There's no, oh, yeah, cool. there's no second season or anything. Strong, 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 strong recommendation yeah, for sick. a whole bunch of reasons. It's also got, it's got one particular scene where someone gets walked in on as they're using like a VR masturbating thing. <laughs> and it's one of the simultaneously funniest and most awkward things <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. And it goes for so long. Have you seen that video? It is on, insanely funny. There's a video on Instagram or something of a woman that comes downstairs to find like her husband beating a hooker up in VR GTA or something. Jesus, no. It's <laughs> that's oh, also it's hilarious. Not quite like that, but no. yeah. This is like he's <laughs> He's got like a thing strapped onto his dick that's like this like suck-o <laughs> bot. And it's like he doesn't because he's wearing all the shit. He doesn't know. Yeah. And she has to like go up and oh, tap no. him on the shoulder and oh. shit. It's fucking horrible. Dude. That's good it's shit. It's awesome. All right. You, get, you really, sold me. Yeah. It's, you got to give it to normal so people as well. Funny. Yeah. It it's sounds, completely sounds opposite. Good. But yeah. Fuck. Right. Um, all right. Well, we got, um, we're just just shy of two, two, big, two big ones on this bad boy. That's I feel like the, two hours of recording, but I feel like the video games that we enjoyed that we're going to talk about are ones that if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you're not going to go into the main. Yeah, anyway, we'll, right? we'll skim through real quick. I think like the last of us part two. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wish things were different. I wish things were different. Ellie! But they ain't. Please stop! How was that? <laughs> yeah. Feel like a good segue? I, I feel like I want to mention it because for me, this was a very cinematic experience. It yeah. fits in with a lot of the discussions that we're having. I think it's an, uh, for me, it's my game of the year. Um, we don't talk about games too much on this podcast because no. it's a podcast about movies, but um, I think this was a... Also, I don't want anyone to think I'm a gamer. Yeah, sorry, boy. <laughs> um, I'm outing you. <laughs> um, the uh, I Last mean, it's us. done so much in mocap. It, like the, So much of it is cutscenes. Um, it felt like a really extended film. Uh, it's also got very in-depth writing and characterization yes, yeah. that you can't get from a movie because you spend like fucking 20 hours with these characters yeah, yeah. and you already have spent 20 hours with them from The Last of Us Part 1. Right. So right. you get like a very strong emotional attachment to what's happening. Mm. Yes. And f- for me, like it's it, it did almost everything that games do better than almost any game I've ever played. It's mm. probably my favorite game ever I, I it's think, one of them I think it's great and I think a lot yeah. of people talk about the, emo- the, the the storytelling aspect of it and the ethical aspect of it I think the only reason why I feel like if you don't play games it's a hard one to start oh with. yeah totally I feel like yeah. if you don't play games this is also like also like a stealth based shooter mm. so like if you don't play games it's a hard one to dive in on I it might be worth I don't like know watching someone so play people, it? yeah oh, I don't know. trying to find someone that you don't 
mind watching because like a bad playthrough you can if someone's like oh, wow weird it's like <laughs> they're Borat yeah <laughs> 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 wow wow <laughs> fuck Borat playing The Last of Us that's that's maybe not a bad bit I think it's a terrible bit <laughs> <laughs> yep yep um so yeah, I just I, I I quickly wanted to mention that, and I was running through a list of like the best games released this year, and there's actually not that many other ones. We are both getting into Hades. Um, Hades I have is recently sick. Gotten into Hades, I really liked that. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 just came out, and I finished it. Um, I really liked it. I was playing it on PC. It's a fucking nightmare on anything other than that. So I've I feel like, like I had a very privileged experience. I've cracked like 60 hours on Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, God. Yeah, and I don't it's, know. Uh, I'm How playing it on the buggiest, shittiest version of the game that you can pop. I'm playing it on like a, a base level PlayStation 4. Yep, yep. And like they had to develop this game simultaneously for 10 different platforms and the base PlayStation 4 is the worst. Yeah, least the, the least one. powerful. Um, <laughs> like there was a period of time yesterday where my, I, my motorcycle just jumped up 20 feet in the air and was just floating in the air for about three minutes. Hell yeah. And I was just stuck I just floating in the air on the motorcycle. Cars, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, love th- I love that game, but I can't recommend it because it's fucked. No, yeah, it's definitely fucked. If you have a good gaming PC, mm. um, which is not even like a mid-range game, but like a good gaming PC, like me. But again, like people are going to go in on that. Well, yeah, I mean, some people might have heard bad shit about it. Mm. If you have a good gaming PC, this game is good. If you don't have a good gaming PC, do not buy this game, Yeah, probably, because you might be like Oscar and be fine with all of the shit, but um, chances <laughs> I've are... I've been perfectly fine playing a game that crashes every time I play it at like 20 frames a second consistently. Yeah. So I feel like... I'm having a great old time. I've That's what people got, are complaining about. I've got four recs for games, two of which we've already talked about. So uh, I think The Last of Us is like perfect linear storytelling narrative based action game um it's the story is the thing above all in that yeah. game and right? if you play games and you haven't played those two games you should go in on them yeah, yeah. and i was going to mention cyberpunk's really interesting because it's the most screen time that keanu reeves has ever had for me and he, i think people have criticized him i think he's actually really good he's very affected in this role yeah but Every, it fits. his line readings are kind of are kind of janky i think it fits with the character i think it's very you have to accept that it is what it is. Yeah. But then it fits with the character and, and I really got used to it and it felt more like I was listening to Johnny Silverhand than Keanu Reeves after a while. Yeah. Because um, you spend a lot of time with him and there's a lot of different conversations you can have and stuff. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. I liked it. I got the same effect from it that I got from The Witcher 3 in terms of like I was doing a lot of the side quests and stuff, just running around this world, having a great time. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, good experience. Um, indie game for me is Hades, as we just mentioned. Um, really fun gameplay loop. Uh, it's a little roguelike plat, like little top-down platformer. Again, if you've yeah, if you, I think you're right. If you've heard about these games, you're probably playing it. But yeah. Hades definitely worth going in on. Hades is great. And then the last one for me, which I just had but lost. Oh, that's right. Um, First-person shooter combat, uh, Doom Eternal. Here and is oh, fuck. incredibly fucking year. fun. It's the most frenetic and fluid first-person shooter combat ever. So yeah, right. Spent 
I actually didn't play nearly as many video games this uh, this year as I thought I would end up doing. I've got a, I still got a big. Yeah, backlog. I didn't either. I I, I went through a whole. Ba- I went through a, ba- a a bit of a backlog of ones I was waiting on. I also spent like a hundred hours playing fucking Stardew Valley this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. like a top-down farming simulator yep. game. Yep. I'll which still is, put. I am ashamed that I like this game. Oh, it's such. I love the game. So fucking. And I've good. dived in on it recently again because yeah. uh, to put your second hundred hours in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm playing it multiplayer this time, and yep. it's just as pathetic and just as great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. good shit. I uh, I really like that game a lot. I probably I feel like I have to not go in on it again, but I could very easily get sucked in. Well, there's an update, dude. What, don't, do tell me, don't tell me. No, no, no. There's a new update with new like yeah, yeah, heaps yeah. of new content. Yep. It's the biggest update they've ever done. Yep. You can get a beach farm. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't want to know. I sound like such a, talking about Stardew Valley makes you sound like such a fucking nerd. Yeah, bad news, dude. You're a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been diagnosed with gamerism. I think that's probably all we've got. Yeah, I think so. Um, I only wrote down a couple albums that came out this oh, year yeah? that I really liked. With your the new Strokes record, the new Abnormal. Yep, that's is, a good one. It's fantastic. Like it's one lot. of my favorite Strokes records. Uh, I like most of their albums, but their most recent one before this Come Down Machine, I didn't dig nearly as much, but mm. this is one I keep revisiting. I and think I, you and the critics? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They, 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 the critics have aligned themselves with my position on that one. Mm. Yeah, um, they asked you about it, yeah. Phoebe Bridges, as well as like a folk rock, indie rock, oh, yeah, singer-songwriter that, that type. that one who wrote Fleabag, in it. <laughs> um, she, uh, Phoebe, Bri- Phoebe Bridges just Wait, that's, released. Now that's Bridges, B R I D G E R S. Yeah, Phoebe Bridges just released a music video for one of her s- singles off this new record, yep. starring the guy from Normal People. Great, directed by Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> um, and her record Punisher that came out this year is really good. It's got like a lot of like a. A strong Elliot Smith vibe. If you like singer songwriter indie rock type stuff, it's really good. Hmm. All their lyrics are kind of depressing. It's great. And John Prine died this year, and he was like a fucking pillar of American folk music. And hmm. I'd never really gone in on him um, until I saw a gig a year or two ago, and the guy I was watching covered one of his songs, and I loved it. Right. And John Prine's tragic death due to COVID this yeah. year uh, inspired me to dive in, dive in on his back catalogue, and he's like one of my favourite musicians now. When I woke up this morning Things were looking bad Seemed like total silence Was the only friend I had Bowl of oatmeal tried to stare me down And one knew it was 12 o'clock Before I realized I was having no fun Ah, but fortunately I have the key to escape reality And you may see me tonight With an illegal smile It don't cost very much But it lasts a long while I didn't kill anyone No, I'm just trying to have me some fun 
So, I mean, I don't want to label it country music because people are stupid and they think country music is bad. But yeah. country music just means folk music made in the south of yeah, the USA. Pop country music is bad. Yeah, country music is not bad. It's country music and it's great. Yeah, uh, but that's it. I think cool. that's all we got. Right? We just just end on a bit of a flat note there. Oh no, I got one. Uh, it's not a recommendation, but yeah. uh, we. we Talked briefly. Just I don't some think you've put any thought into this. <laughs> I don't think you've put any thought into this, so I'll go for it and give me your thoughts if you disagree. But Great. I have the biggest turd award for this year. Great. Which um, I haven't seen, in my opinion, the forerunner, um, which is Wonder Woman 84. Brilliant. Because apparently that movie is fucking shite. Got that joke with the bin about the garbage bin in it there. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. Where he thinks the garbage bin is art, but it's actually just a bin. I've listened to multiple... Because he's from the past, right? Where they don't have where they don't have art or garbage bins. It's shit like Chris Pine's character is meant to be from like the fucking nineteen tens or or some shit, and he like doesn't know what fireworks are, and it's like they were invented in like the twelve hundreds or some shit like that. Yeah, idiots. Like the easiest questions to answer. The script is. I've heard simultaneously bafflingly slowly paced. And nonsensically rushed at points. Like, right. it will meander. Like, there are three action scenes, and this movie goes for two and a half hours. And <laughs> it's a fucking DC movie. This, the, it is the first action scene in this movie is 45 minutes into the runtime. That's insane. It's insane. Like, they really fucked this one, <laughs> from what I understand. It is. It sounds really bad. I was. Uh, it's the first one where I've been tempted to actually hate watch it because I think it might. Jesus. Properly break my brain. Right. It is really shit. I mean, I haven't seen it. You got any other contenders? Yeah. Uh, Tenet. Ah. Which was a big old shit fuck. Yeah, I sort of... <laughs> For a lot of reasons. I sort of didn't like Tenet, but yeah, exactly. I feel like... I think it gets this award because it's the Christopher Nolan film this year. And like... Well, not that he releases one every year, but it was so highly anticipated. Yeah. It reminded me a little Saved bit of cinema. Cyberpunk's... Right, it reminded me. So, Cyberpunk, the game we were just talking about, had a, such a tr- terrible, harrowed release on every other platform except the one that I played it on. <laughs> that, like, you know, it's been pulled off the stores. You can't even buy it anymore. And it feels like Tenet <laughs> had like all these fucking audio issues. A lot of critics were like, "I just didn't really make any sense." <laughs> Yeah. And also wasn't very good. Yeah. And there's I a, agree with that. There's a film critic I follow on YouTube and it's like one of his, f- it was like his movie movie of the year. That is insane. He made like three video essay style m- videos about like why he loved Tenet. Yeah. And, um, and you just disagree with most of what he says. <laughs> I just didn't watch it more than once. And I feel right. like the takeaway for a lot of people gave is like, you have to watch it more than once. Yeah, but no. I sort of feel like, fuck you. Yeah, watching it more than once isn't going to solve the problems that I personally had with it. Um, yeah, like it might for me, but the, the more I sort of deconstructed it, the more I had to watch it the first time, the more I thought, like, I'm just not going to enjoy the process of watching this the next time yeah. around. Because yeah. the next time around, it's going to be me with, like, a massive fucking A3 sheet of paper and, a, and, like, a mind map trying to figure out what the fuck is going on while yeah. I'm watching the movie. Yeah. Well, okay. I think it probably, based on how hyped it was and based on what the actual thing was, I think yeah, it gets I'm happy the runner-up. I'm happy saying Tenet's the biggest stinker of the year. Well, I reckon it's probably still Wonder Woman 84. Neither of us have seen it. I know, but That's I'm very still going to give it to Wonder you. Woman 84. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't need to have seen it. It's a DC movie. Um, yeah. Anyway. Cool. Okay. 
That's our that's our greatest hits of, of twenty twenty episode. Greatest hits and greatest shits. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Mm. Uh, don't know what we're going to do next week, but join us for then anyway. Probably, uh, probably the probably, big L. Probably the big Lebowski. We'll see how we go. See if we can line up some and special guest. It's a big W. <laughs> um, we ha- we were toying with the idea of doing a live episode. I don't know logistically whether we can make it happen, but mm. if there's enough people out in Canberra that would come to a live episode. We don't need an insane number of people no. to make it happen in a small room in an actual like a bar very doable somewhere. number of people. We could do we could like fifteen or twenty people get a bar easily. Tickets would, would be off. like ten bucks. Yep. You'd you could watch it. If you would come, let us know. Yeah, and really let us know. Don't just think about letting us know. Just shoot us a quick message saying, Hey, I'd love to come to a live app or something. It like would that. be like it would be actual good fun. It would mm. be like not a hostage situation. We're not long sure what the format would do, but it wouldn't be like a normal app. We'd make sure that we, you know, I think we'd be talking to the audience a fair amount, like a little bit of, little bit of that type of thing. We only mentioned that it really fun because next week will be the one hundredth episode, technically. But we don't want to blow the number one hundred on something dumb. Yeah. So, so this we'll, is ninety nine. We'll next week will probably be episode one hundred and one. Taking a rain check on episode one hundred. Yeah. And, and after. We're After we work that out one in later. what we're going to do, we'll slot episode 100 in seamlessly and it'll be like nothing of that. Yep. So episode 100 is going to be our first live app, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, or else maybe it just won't happen. Maybe it'll just never happen. Just maybe like episode one. Yeah. Yeah. Episode, <laughs> we skip every 100th app. <laughs> <laughs> Except we got to also record one that's really bad and we just don't really want to. Oh, we, we did that. Oh, well, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. For 100. Great. But yeah. Cool. That was it. Join us next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See Fuck you. off 2020. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.